everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Congratulations. Your morning just got a bit classier. A media legend. A ferocious linebacker. A clueless producer. And you. Searching for a replacement window online? Visit windownation.com today. So raise a glass and act accordingly. This is Bishop and Laurenitis. All right, let's do a live on a Thursday edition of the program. How you live at threes? I'm um, great, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. What did you? Where were? Where, where did your attention go last night? Because there were crew. There was a lot going on. Yeah, crew first. That was crew yeah. first. Yep. Crew first, um, and we were uh, look just absolutely um, fired up to watch it. Buzzkill, you know, yeah, three know. minutes in. Pretty quick. And then, you know, when you get beast mode, it felt like the soccer version, at least, of beast mode for the second <laughs> the second goal. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch this thing. Uh, yeah, when, was... And when you miss the header on the set piece, that's when I was like, ah, okay. All right. I don't, I mean, I, I think it was like the 43rd minute you could have gotten the header in. Um, yep. And then you would have been like, okay, we got some momentum. You know, we kind of, you felt like, I'll put it this way. How different did the two games feel? I don't know to you, but like the first game felt like we were in control of the whole game. We were the better team. And this one, it just felt like they jumped on you. And um, I don't know. I, I was watching it with Shelly. And it's it always, did feel that way. It's always enlightening. It f- when, yeah. felt like there was no chance. It's yeah. always enlightening when Shelly, watching it with Shelly because of the fact she has a, um, well, she played soccer. So she has an idea of how the game should be played. You know, not like she's some master sure. expert, but it is funny to, to be with somebody who played it. And all she kept saying is, quit yeah. dancing and just shoot the ball. <laughs> She's like, way too much, way too much fancy footwork. I don't care. You're not going to score with your fancy footwork. I was like, all right, all right, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, you never notice the difference more. I mean, it's a, it's the most noticeable home field is in CONCACAF. I mean, it's just the, it's just such an incredible difference playing here and then playing in Monterey. It's just is, it's this way. I've seen this when the crew have qualified before. It's just brutal, and it was. They set the tone early. No Zellerayon's brutal, and I do think it was so deflating the way the game here ended because you knew anytime you know going in, we've got to score at least two goals. Yeah, we got to score at least two goals, and and then we, you know, if we win, obviously, but if we draw, then then you're into into penalty kick. But you had to score the two goals, so that so that when they get it within the first three minutes, you're you're really up against it at that point. So it was tough, um, and and what sucked about it was. The team that we wanted to win lost, and mm. the team that we really need to lose yep. wins. Yep. And and that that stakes because you know if, when you have Jody on and he, yesterday on the show and he's like I, we don't need that point. That's Jody. Mm-hmm. Yep. We don't need that point. We don't need to beat Nashville tonight. Play hard, but lose. I mean that's that's what we need to do, and with every win, you're going down the rung of of lottery. So that that's tough when you and I didn't watch it, but what I I did watch some hockey last night. And oh yeah, my attention was. I, I believe it went the way we thought it was going to go. <laughs> did it not? Yeah, sure did. Um, 
I, I did watch a little hockey last night while I was uh, while I was waiting to pick up uh, who the heck I don't know, one of them I don't know where the heck we even were I think we were at hoops last night um, but the yeah it was and and I was in the in the parking lot watching uh, on my phone and seeing just melee with the Rangers in Washington and you knew it would go that way I mean the NHL decided I, the NHL got what it wanted rest assured it got what it wanted I don't think they want to admit it. But they basically had the entire sports world paying attention to them last night at seven o'clock. Yeah, I mean that—that's what happened. I mean, across people who don't normally watch hockey, well, Greg Wyshynski is going to be nice enough to join us at eleven twenty for just a brief minute. He's slammed today. He's on Sports Center, everything else. Um, but he had a great tweet last night. He's like, "Those of you tweeting that you're appalled at hockey who haven't watched an ounce of hockey all season long," and <laughs> and he's right. He's right. You know, like yeah. he's right. Like, but they ha- they did win. They didn't punish Wilson. They let him play. They knew they would get what they got, which was a straight-up Donnie Brook, yep. multiple times over and over again to the point. Now, I don't know that you want it to where Tom Wilson won't return to the game because of upper body. You probably don't want that. You know, that's not something that Who you want. Who doesn't want that? But they, that's what happened. A general fan? Or NHL, the, probably. Yeah. Probably the, way, the NHL doesn't saw, want that. I never saw the Seth Jones hit. Um, You know, on on uh, on Wilson from, what, a couple years ago? Now, uh, someone tweeted it last night and said, oh, the, the satisfaction Seth Jones must have had on this check on Tom Wilson when he dropped yeah. him, and I've I never that. seen it. it. I'll, I'll try to find it and send it to you, um, but it was yeah. glorious um, for the disdain for him. No, he, But guess what? The NHL could have prevented this, right? If the NHL would have yeah, acted accordingly and just suspended him, then the players wouldn't have thought, you know what? We got to take matters into our own hands, and... This is what happens when you have somebody who, that, by the way, the whole NHL and all this just looks ridiculous. So it's weird because, yes, they got what they wanted because a ton of people who wouldn't be watching Capitals, Rangers were like, okay, well, now I got to watch. Now I got to tune in. Oh, um, gotcha. And, and as yeah. I'm watching right now on, on SportsCenter in here in, in the studio, that's all it's showing. It's, it's just a co- constant bubble on guys fighting. Um, you know, no highlights of the actual game. It's just, it just says ensuing faceoff. And then it says um, <laughs> three minutes later, and it's a whole timeline of all the yeah. fights. Which, by the way, I knew about everyone going after Tom. Well, I knew about the opening one. I saw the photos of all the Rangers and Capitals and 100 minutes of penalty minutes <laughs> in the first period, uh, all that. But right. this was a message by the Rangers saying, NHL, you screwed up. We're going to take care of matters in our own hands because you won't. If you would have suspended the guy, maybe this thing, maybe there's one fight. You know what I mean? Maybe there's one guy that takes a run at a capital star, and then next thing you know, it's like, oh, come on, man. We already, you know, this already, blah, 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 all that stuff. But you don't have, you know, 100 minutes of penalties. But I'll also say credit to the Capitals for sticking up for their guy. I'm okay with the Capitals saying, you know what? It is what it is. We're not going to let you just punk us either out here. Like, we might not. I guarantee there are guys in that locker room that don't agree with what Wilson did and the way he plays somewhat. But we're not going to let you just bully one of our own for the whole game either. So no, let's no. take care of this on the ice. Um, I thought it was enlightening that no one's going after Chara. That's probably the smartest move the whole time. You see that opening <laughs> line? It's like three on three. The defensemen are like, you know, looking at <laughs> Zedano Chara. Ah, no, never mind. I'm good. I'm good. I'm yeah. <laughs> Nobody has that probably reach there. as he would just toy with you, keeping his left arm out and just uh, play with you. I, look, I, it was a... The NHL still, to me, um, very much so embarrassing because of what happened with JD. You cannot tell me that this is unrelated. 
You can't tell. Well, me there's that. a whole other layer to it, and that's yep. it. And that's the whole other layer. When I read that, I thought, this is surely this is a joke, right? And then to try to tell me that this isn't related to his strong statement. And this is, I mean, this is a franchise that obviously that's his franchise. Firing him? So is that ownership I mean, saying we don't allow with that? Is that any right? <laughs> and Lundquist, right? He's as popular as yes. anybody there. Is that yeah. the NHL telling the Rangers you got to do something about it? Well, how deep does this go? Let's dig in. Uh, how deep well, does this go? Yeah, I don't know. I, there's a lot of layers to this thing. Um, and, and before we get to the David thing, just a couple things just to tie up the fight thing. Let's remember that when you and I, a couple of things are going on. ESPN is getting back into the business of hockey. Yeah, they are. Okay, for the first time in a long time. So now all of a sudden when you are on ESPN.com, we've talked about this with other sports, they are now prominently featured. You don't have to go find it because they're in business with ESPN now. So they're, they're coming home. Yep. If you will, yep. so so that so Greg Wyshynski, who we've had on the show now for three years, who's great all the way going back to the Puck Daddy days, like he will be one of the prominent faces that you see on ESPN in regard to hockey. He will be my hunches. He'll be one of their insiders. Is is how it'll be, and he's going to have a big big role there. So yeah. like really cool. Woj, like Woj bomb? Are we Woj bombing it? Well, I don't know if he's, you know, they may have like a Pierre LeBrun or somebody do that. I'm not yeah, sure, but I, I mean, he's going to have he's going to have a, a prominent role for yeah. sure. And and so now you're seeing ESPN. All right, let's take advantage of this. This is the Rangers. This is the Capitals. That that's everybody knows those teams. Let's take advantage of this. Let's let's see what we can get out of this. So that's first part. Second thing is there's really not that many enforcers left. Hardly any. Yeah. There was a time when every team had one. Yeah. Every team. Yep. And that was the job. And God bless Jared Bull. I remember him going out and having to do it. Obviously Jody doing it. Um, now they loved it. But I was always like, gosh, that sucks, man. Like, <laughs> you just got to, every night, <laughs> skate out there and find a fight. Right. And do that. I yep. mean, that was, but that is, that is also, you go back to Broad Street Bullies, you go back to old school hockey, that's a big, you think, even Slapshot, for all of, for all of it, and, and how classic that movie is, a lot of, of the growth of that sport that they push, it's very similar to NFL with the big hits. I mean, you go watch NFL films. No doubt. It's Jack Tatum. No doubt. It's Ronnie Lott. It's taking people's heads off over the middle. Like, that's part of it. And it was marketed. Yep. And the fighting was marketed in the NHL. And it was a big, big part of it because, my God, you would just see fights. Yep. And now it, there's hardly any of it left. Yep. It's rare. I mean, it, you, teams can't afford to have enforcers anymore. <laughs> so that's it's it's a rarity to see it now. Yeah. So that that's another part of it. So the other thing that's hanging over all of this is John Davidson. So you texted me yesterday afternoon, and I didn't believe it. I, there's no way. And th- but wasn't it Larry Brooks who wrote it, I want to say, with the New York Post? So as soon as I saw the account and verified, I, kn- I want to say that's who it was. Um, as soon as I saw that, I said, well, he, I mean, he would know. I mean, he's, he's yeah. dialed in. He would yeah. know. So you start to read into it, and, and, and you find his story, and it says that basically – uh, Larry, James Dolan, who's, I mean, we all know his reputation, mm-hmm. that according to Great him, owner. this was Brilliant. Jeez. Brilliant. Well, he is for him. Yeah, no, He's no made doubt. a lot of money. No doubt. Um, that they weren't winning fast enough. Mm. Is what he says. They weren't winning fast enough. And this has been a weird year for well, them. Well, it's I good mean, to have the Knicks as like a great um, you know, example of how to really flip it around. Right. You, I mean, they've had a they had a weird year there. I mean, they had Panarin. Remember, he was in Russia, fearful for his family. Yeah, remember that he was away from the team. They've had that. They've had a well, lot. He spoke going on. out against Putin when he's when right. he speak out against Putin. 
You Watch know? your back. All of a sudden, your family gets threatened randomly, and you're like, hold on a second. What? Yeah. Yeah. So they've, they've had a weird year, but here's what they've also – they are also really good and going to be really good because they are mm-hmm. young. They are exciting. They're dynamic. They will be a very, very good hockey team in short order. Uh, but according to the stories, Davidson and, and general manager Jeff Gordon didn't do it quick enough. That's what they say. That Dolan was unhappy. You can't help but go, wait a second. This is a day after John Davidson puts out a statement saying that, that George Peros has to be fired. He's yeah. unfit for the job. Yeah. It's a lot happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I like John Davidson a lot. Yeah. Bring him home. And we'll get into if he needs, if, if a phone call should be made here. Maybe it should. Um, he's, he's damn good at what he does. He's very good. I mean, he was a big part of the St. Louis rebuild. No one will ever forget the press conference here. We're going to build it brick by brick, and they did. You look at the depth of talent that was in this organization that he oversaw. He righted the ship, legitimized, all of those things. That's valuable. I think there's another place that will call him, too, that might even have more interest and might even be a better fit. But that is that is something that was stunning to me. So I guess what I'm saying is when you when you consider all of these things, we're 15 minutes in on a Thursday in May, and we've spent the majority of the time talking about hockey. And while the NHL is at fault, and not a Blue Jacket game, mind you, although they played last night and won, sadly. Sadly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, while, while, while they blew it with this Wilson thing, the culmination of all of it is probably a net win for the league. Yeah. Yep. Yep, it absolutely is, because it's... Getting the NHL on shows like Get Up, it's getting the NHL on um, Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubon, just like yep. stuff that there's no way if that doesn't happen, they're talking Rangers, Capitals. It's no. not even in the highlight package. No. So, no. yeah, maybe the NFL, maybe NHL, excuse me, won. You know, maybe they won the night. Yeah, um, it, I think they did. I think it, from a sports perspective, they won the night. I think it's... You're, you know, you're still trying to manufacture something. A lot of people are trying to manufacture something with the Rogers stuff. There's really not a whole lot there. Boy, um, if you go on Pro Football Talk, okay, and you look at you know in the bottom right part of their webpage when it's the most commented, eight of the top ten most commented stories are just little blips and really nothing new on Aaron Rodgers. Number one, Terry Bradshaw and Rodgers. His his being upset shows me how weak he is. Most commented. Two, yeah. Aaron Rodgers told Packers he doesn't want to return. Three, Aaron Rodgers wants to fire uh, GM Brian Gutekust. I hope that's how you say it. Four, Aaron Rodgers wanted Packers to accept Niners trade. Five, Aaron Rodgers says something sort of about a situation. Six, <laughs> Tommy Tuberville advises incoming rookies to stick to sports. <laughs> Seven. Jeez, that's, Niners, wait a second. Yep. yep. The former football coach? Yep, said rookies stick to sports. Uh, seven. Uh, <laughs> That's, funny. That's really funny. I didn't hear 49ers offer amazing. number three overall pick plus more for Rodgers. Eight, should Seahawks and Packers just swap? Nine, Marcus Peters, Rams getting rid of me, trading for Jalen Ramsey was disrespectful. And then 10, Aaron Rodgers expresses disappointment. <laughs> that news of Packers rift has emerged. So it's like seven of the eight, ten? Eight of them. Eight of the ten are yeah. Rogers. One of them just I'm doesn't sorry, say Rogers' so name. I'm sorry, the Tuberville one. I can't even well, get past it. Well, you know what? That's so beautiful. Flooring. I just want to read the comments, to be honest with you, because it involves politics and sports, so it's got to be absolutely brilliant. Well, the idea that a football coach who, I, who, who is, is a United... Isn't he a senator? Absolutely. Seems entirely senator on the fact Tommy that he Tommy Tuberville, was, Republican Alabama, former college football coach. He probably won just because people know who he was. There was an TMZ. old Eddie Murphy... Did you ever see the Eddie Murphy movie Distinguished Gentleman? 
Do you remember this movie? It was a '90s movie where he he was he ran. There was a senator who died. I want to say his name was Jeff Johnson, the name you know, and he died. and And he just his name was Jeff Johnson, and so he just ran as Jeff Johnson. And won. No, I did not yeah. see that. Yeah, it's great. It's really pretty. His good. advice it's was: those drafted over the next three it's days the name you should know. just talk about what you know and avoid talking politics. Wasn't he the one who didn't understand how, like, the, the branches of government? Wasn't he that? Didn't he have one of those? Like, you don't need ago? to understand to be in politics. You no. don't, I mean, you've seen uh, what, what's the, Will Ferrell, the Will Ferrell movie, uh, The Campaign. Oh, yeah, that's, oh the campaign. brilliant. That's yeah. one of the most brilliant. And I, honestly, I'm starting to believe more good. realistic, more it's realistic more movies ever think. on politics. Yes. Probably true. This guy wants everyone to live in Rainbow Land. I wrote that in the fourth grade. Doesn't matter. <laughs> So true. Lots lots of fun on the program today, including the question of should a call be made to John Davidson? Because uh, as we talked about this week, a, a very interesting spot for the organization this summer. Um, we will get into that. Uh, you'll hear from Caleb Porter on a, on a disappointing loss from the crew, obviously. And the NFL fires back big time to the NFLPA in, in a way that only they could. It's a checkmate type of move. We will get to that. Uh, ben Baby will join us to put the Bengals offseason, their draft in perspective, off and running here on a Thursday. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Season ticket holder from day one, us two. Now and forever, your flagship home of the Columbus Blue Jackets. The fan, Ohio sports destination. D drinking responsibly with a touch of class. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And brought to you by our great friends at Window Nation. If you're in need of search or replacement windows, check them out at windownation.com. 866-90NATION today. They will take care of you the way that they take care of us. I assure you of that. Um, all right, so the, the the fun certainly is the attention to the fight, but the, the headline is John Davidson being fired because he is as responsible as anyone for really the golden era of Blue Jacket hockey mm-hmm. and building, which is, I mean, this was an organization that was really in need of someone to grab it by the throat yeah. and say, this is the way. And and I was, I'll never forget his press conference. Um, he did that. He did that. He said brick by brick, and that's what he did. And he built a roster that was pretty dang good, that yep. was built in a way, and, and Yarmo's, Yarmo's with him the whole way. Um, and you'll ne- you never know, you know, in terms of who's responsible for what, but John was the face. JD was the face. Yeah. And, and Yarmo was brought, Yarmo's brought in, and Yarmo's incredible with scouting and all of those things. From the outside looking in, it appeared to me that JD was, and he was fierce, but he was also, he was so good in the room mm-hmm. with people. Yeah. And as you head into this summer, I do think it's natural to go, come on home, big fella. Come on home. He liked it here. And I think the only reason he left is because it was the Rangers, which is the team of consequence for him. Um, yeah. And again, he's as popular as anybody there. I mean, it's him and Messier and Lundqvist. And I mean, he's on, he's on the list. He's on the list yeah. of most popular Rangers of all time um, and did their television broadcast forever. I think it would be worth a call. I do. There's something to be said about you can have a tough-nosed coach, a tough-nosed GM. There's got to be somebody in the in the building that can smooth it all over, right? That can be the guy that can be, the, the like you said, the face of the organization, but also kind of be the guy to... You know, hey, you're right. Like, trust me, you're part of our plan. Okay, don't take this stuff personal. Don't take the who's the guy that can voice to say it's 
I don't want to use Seth Jones because I think they should offer Seth Jones more than what he's worth, right? I think you got to do whatever Correct. you can to keep him. But some of these restrictive free agents that we've had here before, like Josh Anderson, maybe it's a deal that he, when they were talking about it, he was so fired up over the last time. You know, think about it. Think about the last negotiation when JD was here and <laughs> Josh comes back and he's fired up. He's mad. His agent's mad at the Jackets. He's mad at the Jackets. And JD can go down there and be like, man, come on, just keep playing. You're part of our future. All right. We just need, we just, all we need to see is right. this XYZ. You're part of it. All right. Like, don't think this means that we don't, we're not very high on you. Of course we are. You know, you know, those guys are just tough on you. That's the business of it. Stay with it. And that can rejuvenate you as a player. Do we have that guy right now in the building? I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying we don't. I'm just saying yeah, you don't feel, you don't get the sense of it, but it's hard to say, to be honest. Um, and it's going back to Porty's article. I think it's, I think it was enlightening that no matter, like torts is very hard, but those players all appreciate them. Now they're all vets. The problem is you don't have all super old vets that wish they had that young in their career, right? They have, and I think sometimes when you play for a coach who's that way, I know I was this way. I appreciated Luke Fickle way more after I left Luke than when I was with him. Sure. Because I saw that Luke treated me and Brian Roll and Ross Homan and Mark Johnson and Thaddeus Gibson and Tyler Moeller all the way down to Kurt Lukens. I mean, it didn't matter what status you were in the LB room. He was going to treat you and coach you the same. Sure. And you didn't really appreciate it until you left and you played for a coach who didn't do that and would play favorites and would ignore certain things. Um, played for a coach in my career that, you know, he'd get on me for not hustling to the ball all the way on the other side when I was hustling to the ball. You know, like if I pulled up like a few yards short or just tapped off, he'd give me a hard time, but then there'd be a drafted rookie who wouldn't even turn and burst and wouldn't say a word because yeah, ah, he can't tough. handle it mentally you know oh come on judge us all the same if you're gonna be soft on him be, you know what i mean like give me a little cut me a little slack yeah all um, athletes want is consistency consistency and when you i mean really you ask any and so at least torts is consistent you might not appreciate it and some of those guys it seemed like they appreciated him more when they went and played for an inconsistent coach um but all that to say it, it comes down to the issue with the with the jackets right now is at least when you know when JD was here there was a couple faces it was JD Torch I mean those it was spread out but now it's like when people think of the Columbus Blue Jackets who do they think of first for good Tortorella. or bad it's John Tortorella and parting ways with that this offseason is going to be a really hard rebranding for the jackets that's why you have to pay Seth what he's worth and then some and you have to promote the you absolute crap out of him i just saw a billboard the other that's day in what St. Louis to him. I saw a billboard the other day in St. Louis of a kid from, I don't know what the recruit was. It was, I chose Notre Dame. I'm from the Lou and I chose Notre Dame. And I'm like, hold on, they're promoting him in St. Louis to try to help recruiting. Sure, yeah. And I'm like, do we have a Seth Jones billboard anywhere? I might be ignorant to it. I've driven around 270. It ain't on 270. There's not one on 315. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like on every highway, you need to, yeah. it should be saying fifth line. Here, you know, her Seth Jones, boom. You know, fa- some way you should be promoting him to where when he goes to a dinner at a Cam Mitchell or a Jeff Ruby's, he knows that he's going to get recognized, and it's it's a dual thing. Like you even saw it in Porty's article, guys want to be recognized, but they don't want to be bothered. It's like athletes <laughs> for the most part. Right. When they judge a city, it's like okay, this because when they're recognized, they feel like oh, the city knows us. Like they're really they're passionate about the game, about our team. But don't bother me when I'm having dinner. You know what I mean? 
happened to me in college once. I got yelled at because I was eating chicken fingers. My fingers were all barbecue sauced up. <laughs> the lady wanted me to stop and sign her picture, and I said, "Ma'am, can I can I sign it after? Can I sign it after I'm done eating? You know, I'm with my family. It's after a game. I'm exhausted. Can I finish eating? Please come back." I remember her being like, "Well, that's rude." And I said, fine, give me the picture. And I grabbed it with barbecue sauce all over my fingers, signed it, s- smeared the barbecue sauce, goes, here you go. Have a good night. Just giving you what you wanted. <laughs> here you go. Here's what you want. <laughs> here's, here's the thing what we don't know. We don't know what Seth Jones wants. We don't. You hope they do. I don't know. Does he want that? Does he want that? Does he want to be a big fish on we a big stage? We need to be the stage? guy where the girl doesn't know if she wants to say yes or not. I don't know if I want to marry you. Oh, yeah? The ring's so big, you want to say yes because you, you want, want to put it on it. IG, at least if, for four more years. Then you can right. leave me. <laughs> I don't know if that's what inspired. We have no... I don't know. I'm from just a superstar... St- I know. I understand. From a superstar standpoint, we don't know what makes him tick. We don't. That's true. Yeah. We don't know what makes him that's tick. True. I don't know. Maybe he wants to go home and play for the Avs. Yeah. Maybe he wants to play on the, in the biggest state. Maybe he wants to play at Madison. Maybe he wants to play for the Rangers. Maybe he wants to play for the Black. Who knows? We have no idea. We don't know what makes it. But, you got, but they need to know. Mm-hmm. They need to know. If it is money, then you have to go above and beyond. Mm. If it is money. Now, remember, his dad was a professional basketball player. So who knows what that means in terms of, of, of what he wants to do and what he wants to be. But he's been a model citizen for a long time. But we, they need to figure out what he wants to do. And I, my guess is they obviously they know him better than we do. One last point on JD. My hunch is that the first call made to him will 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 likely not come from us, but will rather come from ESPN. He is probably the most he's as celebrated as anybody as a television commentator on the sport. Yeah. I mean, he did the Olympics forever. Yeah. He was the vo- you know, he's on the on the Rangers with Al Troutwick forever. Like my guess is with ESPN getting games back and he, I want to say he worked with them the last time, and I'm pretty sure he did games when NBC first got the package before he went to the Blues. So my guess would be the first call would come from them and say, come home and be part of this yeah. coverage yeah. with us. Um, he's not going to be short of options. And I, I can't imagine how devastating this is for him because I think the only job he would have left here for is this one. Yeah. I think this was it. Yeah. And... And you know he had some pretty good roots laid down here and liked mm-hmm. his life here a lot. So yeah. I I think he's I'm, my guess is he's probably reeling and this came really out of nowhere for him. Um, the NFL this did not come out of nowhere. You and I I believe you had that. I believe we had this. <laughs> you want you want to play ball NFLPA? Watch us play ball. We'll get into that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on the fan. Love crew soccer. Us too. Let's get married and catch every game together. Proud to be your local home for the black and gold. The fan Ohio sports destination. It's Bishop and Laurinaitis' is What's Up. What's up, man? What's up Sponsored by your Central Ohio Honda dealers. All right, here's what's up. And I believe we had this. This mm. the NFL uh, Management Council to CEOs, club presidents, general managers, head coaches. The media recently reported, I'm reading this directly, that Denver Broncos player Juwan James suffered a significant, potentially season-ending injury while working out at a private gym away from the club's facility. Mr. James's $10 million, paragraph 5 salary of the 2021 season was a fully guaranteed for for skill, injury, and cap purposes. Several clubs have inquired about the contractual implications resulting from the fact that Mr. Jane sustained the season injury while trading away from the Broncos let me, facility. Let me interject. Let me interject real quick as we go through this. By the way, no club have actually <laughs> inquired not. because every not club they all know. is so well-versed in this. Yeah. Come on. What are we talking about? 
what we talk about. Anyway, keep going. I, I don't, I, I, there's two more paragraphs. Here's the, here's the gist. It's not the gist. This is direct. His injury occurred away from the facility. Yeah. And his money is not guaranteed and he'll see none of it. Yeah. Unless we decide to. There's no contractual obligation to provide yeah. salary. Mm-hmm. So it says directly. Now, by can, contrast. Can I, can I read the last paragraph? Because that's the best part. Yeah. That's the best part. Not only the fact that they bold and underlined at a club facility. At a club how facility. That but the yeah. last paragraph. According to the media coverage, several players have expressed surprise that Mr. James' inquiry, or injury, excuse me, was not covered by his injury guarantee. Although this point has been made frequently in our discussions with the NFLPA about the offseason program, clubs are encouraged to remind players of the significant injury-related protection provided if they choose to work out at the club facility and the risks they undertake in choosing to train in a non-NFL location. <laughs> I mean, I we, couldn't be. We see you players. Direct. We see you on TV making the rounds and former guys. Like it's, it's amazing that you're surprised by this because we've, gosh, we've made it clear to the PA. What are they doing? We've made it clear to them that you know you should be protected. You will be protected. Let me refrain that. You will be protected if you're playing here. So when you read that and you say, okay, what's what's it mean to be, what was the term, skill, cap? What that means is the guarantee is as long as you are, because I had this in my contract too, so guaranteed for skill. So if they cut you because they don't think you're good anymore, $10 million guaranteed. Can't do it. Injury. Injured at the facility, football related, you get $10 million guaranteed. Cap. Hey, you're cap casual. It doesn't matter. $10 million guaranteed. Okay. So all three of your money is guaranteed as long as you don't screw it up. PA remind your players that if they get injured outside of the team facility, that is screwing it up. That's on them. We've told you this. We've negotiated this. Actually, here's the here's the con- here's the CBA. If you want it, hey Demore Smith, here's your signature. Yeah. Do you want it right here? I mean, this is the NFL. Come on, this is the NFL giving the number one sign to the PA, saying keep doing your PR stuff. It's getting cute, but you're affecting your own players that you're supposed to represent. That's what they're saying. There's no win for the PA here. Nope. There's no win. Because even if they skip it all and and they they come and they report to training camp in July, yep. uh, when training camp starts, the NFL is the NFL doesn't make any money on OTAs. They don't make any money on minicamp. Yep. I mean, it's minimal. Yep. I mean, there's, sure, there's camp sponsors locally for the franchises, but it's minimal yep. in comparison. You're going to be there when it matters most. Buddy, you're going to be there when it matters most. You're, NFL, lo- you're going to lose so big here long term. And I think if you think that you that, that these things won't be held against you, it's impossible. It's human nature. The NFL will fight tooth and nail when you get hurt in an off-season program at the facility. Like There's a thing called injury settlements. Like If, right. you, if you get hurt a good point. at the facility... I'll never forget Mark Sedestrom tore his tricep. We were supposed to be doing like walk through Temple. Dude tears his tricep. We were doing more jog through Temple. They burn the tape. Tape doesn't exist. So you try to go before them and you know your litigation. You try to say, hey, I need an injury settlement, which is supposed to be a, it's a, basically you you basically agree to unbelievable. Here's a Seth Jones commercial for guaranteed. Oh, unbelievable. I love it. I love there you it. Go. Anyway, um, but you you essentially have a percentage of your contract that you're supposed to make that will be given to you to say, Hey, if they release you say, this is how we're parting ways, injury settlement, you know, boom, bye. And usually it's not what you're going to make. Now 
this guy is 10 million is a big number and it was a guarantee. That's a non-guaranteed thing usually, right? Like if it's at a team facility. So when guys get hurt away from it, you better, I mean, honestly, if you're a PA and you're him, you better hope that the Broncos just are thinking we want to do the right thing. And I don't know the Broncos on this. And look, and even saying that is subjective. Who's to say that that's the right thing? If you're well, them, like the, the rest of the owners could go to the Broncos and say, "Hey, man, you guys Absolutely. may want to do this." And it's not like it's Pat Dolan on the other line no. who's taking the calls, going, "No, no, no, I'm Pat Dolan. I'm a Hall of Famer. Right. I'll do this the way I want to do it. These are my guys. Right. Who's going to stand up to it? Right. I mean, it's probably going to be John Elway's call. I suppose yeah. it'll be John Elway's call. Right. Um, and sure, that re- that organization has an, a nearly impeccable reputation, but it's going through a tough time right now. Yeah. They don't. The ownership's not there, and the, in the meantime, you're going to have powerful owners saying, "Hey." Send right. a message. Send a message. They're trying. These guys to are out here every us. week saying, yes. "Hey, don't go to camp till your rookie's not to go to camp. You're under no obligation." Nonsense. Right. You signed the same CBA that we did. Right. 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 You can't. Ju- I mean, it's just. And again, to reiterate, I'm as big a pro player, NFL player as you can get. I think it's ridiculous you don't have guaranteed money. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that you don't. It's nonsense. Um, but at the same time. If you sign an agreement, I can't help you. It is. So I went through the first. If they no wanted lockout. to be strong threes, last year was the year to be strong. Yes. I went through the lockout. In Going 11, into COVID. And in 2011, you thought, okay, the NFL is being unfair. That's when you unite. You get together when the NFL is trying to take a percentage of the of the pie away from you. We've been operating at this percentage. The money's going up for everybody. Why are you taking more away from us? Like, that's, that's when you unite over stuff like that. And then once you sign the deal, you show up to work. And you had an opportunity to do it. And I don't know if it wasn't organized. You had a whole other year you could have played. You signed the deal a year in advance. You could have played a whole other season through COVID and been doing this CBA talk this year, right? And instead, you went yeah. out and you signed the deal because you rushed and told everybody then, PR-wise, you probably went around telling everyone, what a great deal we got. That's the problem. You told your players, what a great deal we got. There's no Every CBA negotiation, I'll never forget in 11 when they came through. It was the same thing. We got a great deal. We got, I mean, guys, you guys got a great deal. How? They stole like 3% back of the pie. Yeah, but look at our benefits. Look at this. We took, we got, we gave it to them here. Okay. Thank you. You know, like you spin it that way. They did the same thing the last time. Everybody wins. Owners are saying how happy they were. Players are saying, look at what we got. And then a year later, nope, don't go to camp. We're not happy. What what do you mean? You just signed it and told everybody you got a great deal. Yeah. And, and speaking of playing through COVID, indications yesterday, that that's not going anywhere. We'll get to the details on that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Head to 971thefan.com to listen on demand and subscribe to all our podcasts. Wasting time has never been easier. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. The best, best in the Midwest. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. Tom Pelissaro yesterday with this, speaking of the NFL uh, and the NFLPA, um, this is just, again, this is a response to, and the NFLPA changed their tone and said, look, it's not about COVID. It's really about we've delivered a great product. But the, the original commentary, remember, is about safety. And it was about COVID. It was about all those things. Well, the yeah. NFL says, okay, well, it's not. They acknowledge it's not. And then the NFL says, well, guess what? Protocols are going to be the exact same as they were last year. 
So what that means is, among other things, 15 players in one weight room at a time, no club organized social gatherings, no in-person player media interviews, max five tryouts visits per week. Um, all teams are going to transition back to this by May 17th. Um, groups of more than three, tier one, tier two, tier three individual, including players, are prohibited from gathering outside of the club facility. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is back to lockdown. Is what this is. Um, the NFL, Pelissero continues, he says, the NFL informed clubs tonight that they should offer code vaccines to all rookies at upcoming minicamps and highlight to all players that vaccinations may be helpful to avoid missed practice and games and therefore may have a competitive impact for the club. I mean, that's pretty remarkable right there. Players and staff who aren't fully vaccinated will be required to COVID test every day and cannot do group activity while awaiting results. That's enormous. That's enormous. Um, players and staff who are fully vaccinated will only be required to test once per week with no such restrictions, continuing to incentivize Policero at the end on the commentary. That, la- that, there's a lot in there. Um, mm-hmm. but the one thing that's really, really, uh, that jumps out to me is players and staff who aren't fully vaccinated will be required to COVID test every day and cannot do group activity while awaiting results. Mm. I mean, it's going to put a lot of teams are going to put a lot of pressure on these players. That gets into some blurred lines about playing time, meeting time. I mean, really, the yeah. test should be back in, what, 50, 20, 30 minutes? It's about a half hour is Which, where it is As now. we know. I, I just mean, got tested last week. It was about a half hour. Coaches kind of boom, 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 boom. You know, they, they like to put things either way with how players feel about this. And I have no idea how current players feel about this. And I think it would change if you're a current player, former player, or whatever. I'll know this. In, in my group text with some guys who are playing and some guys who aren't anymore, um, it's about 80% anti getting it. And some of those guys are playing and I won't name names, but, mm-hmm. and you then, but then you say, okay, that's all well and good. How about now? <laughs> you know, like what about with this incentive? Um, do you want to get there early? You know, another 30, 40 minutes early to get tested, sit there and wait. Cause that's, what's going to be. I think the way you get around it is you just tell those players, Hey, you're going to get there at like five 30 to get tested. That's exactly what's going to be. And you're if you're willing used to do to test it between six and yeah, you know, used to test between six and eight 30, six yeah. and seven 30. Now the testing will be, you better, you're going to test at five 30 yeah. because I need you in a meeting at six o'clock. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I think that's, that's, and if you, if you, if you test positive, yeah. you're going to miss a day. Right. But if you can still, here's my question. You can still, I'm trying to read about it right now, honestly. I'm on the CDC website trying to figure out because based on what you can see on a news, and this is not in Twitter, this is just news. Like yeah. every night, it's something different. Whether you can carry the vac- the COVID virus while you're vaccinated, while you can't, is it transmissible? It's better against variants. It's not good against variants. You know, it's it, everyone, every one of these vaccines sure. is different, right? So I'm trying to just... But if you can carry the virus while being vaccinated, which you can, which you can, then you can test positive for COVID yep. while being vaccinated. So some players knowing that are saying, then what's the point of getting vaccinated? Well, it'll help you fight COVID if you have it. I'm 24 years old. I don't have a right. pre-existing condition. I'll get over it and then I'll be have proof that I have it. Then if I already had it, do I need to test the rest of the season? And I, I mean, I don't, I'm just telling you. And the NFL's response to that is we don't care. Right. Exactly. And there's, and they can't, I mean, that's, you work for <laughs> us. It. We don't care. Um, this is our policy. Yes. And if, and y- uh, it, your life will be a lot easier if you get this. Yes. yes. That's, that's it, really. And what's amazing. I'm, I'm, and again, it could I'm, be held against you if absolutely. you don't get it and you absolutely. miss meetings. You know this. You miss meetings. You miss a walkthrough. Yes. So yeah, I, my sure. gut tells me is that most coaches are going to try to stay out of this 
and they're going to try to do meetings. They'll make it harder on guys saying you have to get here at 530 to test because we're not missing meetings. We're not yeah. doing everything around you. Um, I'll be very fascinated to see the breakdown, demographic breakdown. I mean, you can go, you could study deep analysis in this. Rookies versus vets, um, star players versus non-star players and the pressure they feel to get it. You could do area of team, right? Um, white versus black players. I mean, there's a whole lot of, you see the stuff on the news all the time about trying to get the African-American community more trusting the vaccine, right? And we've had group text conversations with teammates, former teammates about that. Um, and their hesitancy on all vaccines um, and stuff that I didn't even quite frankly know about the history in our country with, with that sure. issue. Um, and which is, I mean, it's always, that's why I love having conversations with, with guys that I played with. Cause it's a whole nother world that you're opened up to. Like, I didn't even know this even happened or existed. You weren't taught that, you know what I mean? So it's like a whole nother paradigm. Um, and it's gonna be interesting to see kind of who does it. There'll be some guys who say, Hey, my life easier. I can sleep in 30 minutes. Boom. I don't care. Boom. Vaccinate me. And there'll be some yeah. guys who will be like, <laughs> again, it's so, it's so think dependent on individuals. Think about this. Think about what we just, the previous segment we just had about the injury stuff. Yeah. There's no winning. No. If you're the PA. No. There's no winning. The NFL a, is basically, they're it's undefeated. They're taking all the bullet points that the PA thought they had on their PR tour and they're just stripping them away. One um, by one. Yep, one by you one. Want it, you want it stricter? You want to be safe to facility? Because Fine, you know what, to too? Year, is that team, which you agreed to and you yes, did. Yes. And then teams like, oh, you know, hey, why was so-and-so not at practice earlier today? Oh, he refuses to get vaccinated. So he, you know, that's why he missed. And so now there's an added pressure there. You want to keep playing these yeah. games? You know, they can, they, they can go they, as far as they want. There's no HIPAA. They had no. COVID, COVID list last year. There's no HIPAA. There'll be, and then there's going to be public pressure from a certain demographic about those said players not For getting sure. it. And, why are you not playing? Right. Wait, you're not playing. Why are you not you playing? Take a vaccine. I mean, imagine like player X who is like, you know, young guy and due to faith reasons, just does not want to get the vaccine or whatever. Right. And well, you aren't, you've mispracticed it. Why? Well, I don't want to get vaccinated. And then, well, you're, you know, this the public outrage at said player. Well, and a very personal decision. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. NFL is undefeated the, the, when it comes to yeah. that. They don't care. That's the end of the yeah. day. They don't care. No, they don't. We'll play a little higher, lower coming up next on the NFL. Bishop and Lorna is right here on the fan. It's first Friday somewhere. That's a big sense of freedom. You're listening to Bishop and Laurenitis. All right, so FedEx guy here mm. dropping off some wine. Require a signature. It's not yeah. my normal FedEx guy. My normal guy, we get a nice, nice wave. We're good. We're good, yeah. There's an acknowledgement. I tipped him pretty solid over the holiday season because of all the good work he did. Yeah. I like to do that with my people. Yeah. You're like Sean Payton trying to take the rafts out and camp to yeah, nice dinner. That's right. So when the Every, playoffs so everyone's come on the same page, we have just, the same crew, you know, I expect yep. a little leniency here. That's right. That's right. So just try okay. We're all right. Yep. You're good. Yeah. You're Yes. Victory. Good job out of him. Gosh, that's real. It's a good job. Maybe if that was we, in real maybe, time. Maybe if there was a technology to where we could use, um, you know, like if the, if someone yeah. could create an iPad slash um, computer oh, application exciting. that could display you and I at the same time while doing right. a show. Uh, you know, where you could do like a digital backdrop behind us that made it look like we were together. You know, in the same you studio. Yeah. And, and uh, maybe if that technology was invented, we could have seen real time 
that interchange, which I think the people would have loved. They would have loved to see yeah. the real time. Well, for one, yeah, they would have had to see your luxurious it. office. They would have loved sure. to see that. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. And then they would love to see, you know, just the facial expressions of you, thumbs up. Yeah, we, we got, got this. That would have been nice. But unfortunately for Maybe us, that day. technology hasn't been invented yet. It hasn't been invented. And so the fact that we don't have that um, is really a bummer because. It is, but it's a big yeah. win for me. It is a big. This win is a for big you. win for because we have this. I was dicey, but I didn't know how this was going to go. But we did. It's a success. Uh, I would love to see uh, it. Instead, well, there's wait, no way someday. to do. Maybe someday. Yeah, there's no way to do that. that. No. Let's play a little NFL higher or lower. Bodie is here. Go ahead, Bode. All right, guys. NFL higher or lower. A little post free agency, post NFL draft. We are using NFL.com's power rankings. If the folks want to follow along a little bit here, we're going to start off right at the top at number one. The defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They obviously cannot go higher than number one. So even or lower for Tampa Bay. Yeah, where they should be. Yeah. It's where they, they're the Super Bowl champions. They brought everybody back. They're running it back. Um, I, I think one thing that was interesting about them is is they were in real trouble. I mean. The Saints slumped them twice, and then they got right. They won on the road three weeks in a row. You yeah. know they they didn't look great against the football team. Remember how? Who, I don't even know. Who, I don't even remember what their quarterback's name was. Heineke. Sure. <laughs> Tyler Heineke. Was right. Yeah. Like yes, and he had a really nice night. I remember being yeah. like, oh, maybe they have something with this kid. I don't know. But the Buccaneers' defense did not look great. They let Heineke have a nice night, and then all of a sudden, Green Bay, and you're like, oh. Who is next? New Orleans. And then Green Bay. On the road. Breeze. Yeah. Rodgers. I mean, he put Breeze in retirement, and then he's making Aaron want to trade. <laughs> That's what Tom Brady yeah. did. That, you know, and then either he Tom or Giselle. The it may have been Giselle's wizardry, but she did it. She got Drew out of there. Honey, you're going to go to the South. Drew's going to be gone. And so will, uh, you know, we'll they get They got everybody out Rogers. on discount. They got everybody yeah. back on discounts. Yeah. Yep. Because everyone wants to win. Sure. Newsflash, people like to win. Money goes yep. out the window when you are winning. People like Florida. Of course they no like state Florida. Tax. No state income wins. tax, wins, weather. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. I love Tampa Bay. Next up, we're going to drop down to number five. The highest ranked team in the AFC North, I'm sorry, is actually the Baltimore Ravens. Heading into year four, the Lamar Jackson lower. era. Higher or lower than lower. fifth for the Ravens? Lower. I mentioned this, I think, what is it, last week when I first saw this? Maybe it was Monday. I don't think it was Monday because I think this thing only came out three days ago. But when, when I saw this and I saw what the what the Browns have done, the fact that they aren't up at three was alarming to me um, when you see their, their roster. The top two teams are a given. If you're making a power rankings, you have to start there. I do believe yeah. that. Now, if you want to get into a nice little fun radio debate about Cleveland's roster versus Kansas City, of course, we can do that. But when you're the two teams in the Super Bowl and not much has changed, um, the, the Chiefs did a nice job addressing tackle and making trades for Orlando Brown Jr. and all that. I, I get it. But Cleveland is the most talented roster in the AFC North. You can't tell me that Lamar Jackson is a surefire better investment than Baker Mayfield yet. Yes, he was the MVP. Yes, he had that season. But what has happened is like, it's been an up and down. When I, it's been a really high when he's really good and it's really average when he's average. It's up and down. You can say the same thing about Baker. Baker was really average to bad early on and he's been on an ascending role. So, what, so let's go to other positions. 
Running backs better. Receiving core is better. D line. Linebacker. I mean, what are we? Offensive lines. Offensive better. line. Tight end room. So we're getting to is a it, point. What, is it, yes. Is it even. So if you eliminate logos or switch logos, it's no, it's no different. This is still to me a Browns hangover. The Browns effect hangover for whoever made this list. Baltimore I think needs to be down. Dan Hansis did. I think the the big thing here is, and I know Cleveland's coming up next. So we're just kind of putting them into one because I think that's how you do the Ravens conversations. You, yeah. You put in where they have the Browns. Yeah. Here's the deal. There is still, for whatever reason. More questioning of what Baker Mayfield is than there is in the media than there is to what Lamar Jackson is. Yeah. Now, I now that's tougher for me to understand. Baker Mayfield beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Yeah. Now, the Baltimore Ravens beat the Browns twice last year. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson won an MVP. I'm not taking anything away from him. Yep. They've gotten better. Rashad Bateman's going to make him better. I like Tylen Wallace yep. at Oklahoma State. I mean, he's going to give him some burn. But will Lamar Jackson throw the ball outside the hash with effectiveness? Mm-hmm. He hasn't proven to, to this point. So, to me, this is a little... And I get it. I understand why you... I, think, I don't know how many people actually watched Baker the last half of last season. And watch the way he played after the interception where Odo Beckham got hurt in the Cincinnati game. Go look at him from that point on. It's pr- to me, and I get it, it's fine. Like I know Browns fans are like, oh, don't put that on us. Don't right. you put that on me, Ricky Bobby? Right. I mean, there is some of that <laughs> yeah. with them. Like, yeah. don't even talk about us. Yeah, we don't want it. The reality is, from a roster standpoint, you just did it with Baltimore. What what position group would you say the Ravens have better than the Browns? Linebacker, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Tight end room, maybe, because Andrews yeah. is so great. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not like the Browns are stiffs yeah. at tight end, and it's not like they're stiffs at at, at linebacker now with Jeremiah Wurzukor-Moa. Right. Yep. So, I, you know, it's right there. It's just there's still a hesitation with Baker around the league. Which, by the way, and that's with, the only thing that's stopping. I would have had them third on this list based on their roster. I'd have them third. I think they're better than – I think they have a same. better roster than even Buffalo. Same. Who's the kid that they really like out of LSU? Jacob Phillips, is that it? Is that my yeah. yeah. So um, with his athleticism and Owusu Koromora's athleticism, now you have two interchangeable guys in there. You want to play nickel? You want to have yeah. two dudes in there that, who's Mike, who's Will? I don't know. Well, we got to ID somebody. I don't know. They don't They don't go on motion. They bump. They, don't, they bump whether they're in zone or man. They both will blitz. They both won't. I don't know where they're coming from, coach. Who do you want me to ID? You know, yeah. and that's why you draft that way. You guys kind of hit on the Browns there a good bit, so we'll skip over that one. We have three straight NFC West teams at 7, 8, and 9 with the LA Rams coming in at number 7, just ahead of Seattle, and then San Francisco. Higher or lower than 7th for their new quarterback, Matthew Stafford, and the Rams? I think they. the most important thing they did here is they had San Francisco 3rd because I think both the Rams and the Seahawks are better than San Francisco. So I think that's that's fine. You could have had Seattle ahead of the Rams just because we we kind of know a little bit of what Seattle is. Uh, that's fine. Um, I think that's appropriate for these teams. I think these teams are all contenders. I think San Francisco's a little too highly rated on this. I would probably have them lower on the list. But but the other two, they're proven commodities. Those two or, those organizations win. I mean, even the Rams, as they've kind of transitioned away from from the Gurley, Goff, you know, that team into, we're going to pay Ramsey, and this is the way we're going to do it. We bring in Stafford. They've won through it all. Yeah. That's been the most impressive thing, is they have won through the transitioning. 
Yeah. Both of them. The Rams and the Seahawks. Both, yeah. The Seahawks won last year. Now, they weren't as good as some of their Legion of Boom ones, but they still won going through a transition period. We thought, gosh, this is going to be a reload or maybe even a rebuild. They reloaded. They they on the fly made those changes and still won, which is impressive during a pandemic for both of these teams. I, I would put the Rams up there because of quarterback, because of the defense, the philosophy, the head coach. I think I like the Rams defense a little better than Seattle, although they lost, obviously, two guys out of their secondary that was best in the league. Statistically, they still have the best defensive football player in the NFL. Don't don't at me, Steelers fans. He's still the defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald. Okay, don't at me. Um Gosh, never knew I could get so many Steelers fans fired up at me over <laughs> one tweet thanking, congratulating a friend. Um, their wide receiver crew, you know, is is really good. So I like the Rams. Did they add 2 Atwell, too? They did. The they drafted 2 Atwell. They added Deshaun guy. Jackson. So if you want to have two guys that, hey, you know what? Your your goals out there are just to run posts. Hey, you, 2-2, go run, a, go run your 4-2-9 on the 9 route. Deshaun, run a deep over. It might not be a 4-3 anymore, but it'll be a 4-4, right? You go do that, and we'll let Robert Woods, Cooper Cup work, Van Jefferson, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. I like they're gonna be dangerous. They're gonna the Akers be came yep. along. They're going to yep. be good offensively. Yep. We got time for just one more here. For the first time since 2005, someone than other than Drew Brees will be playing quarterback for New Orleans, but NFL.com still ranks Way them too at number high. 10. Way higher too high. Higher than 10th for the Saints. Way too high. I don't even know, honestly. How are they ahead of the Cardinals? How are they ahead of the Tennessee Titans? How are they ahead of the Colts? Right. The yep. Chargers. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. I don't know how they're I ahead. Think I think they come way back to I Earth. think they come down to like 17. I would have them like 17. Do you think people remember there was that stretch, even when Breeze was there, where they really were not effective? Yeah, I was there. For a year of it. <laughs> I know you were. Seven to nine. Seven to nine. Like, I don't know if people remember. Like, I, I think everybody it. thinks that Sean Quite Payton's well. been going 12 and four every year. No. And that's not the case. This dude's thrown for 5,000 yards and they went seven to nine. Six and yeah. ten. Let Two, that we, sink in. Yeah. The, let's do the Steelers real quick. They have, they have them at 11, which I don't understand at all. Uh, full respect for them, but they are not the team that started 11 and 0. No. Um, and so I would have them lower. Here's the thing, they, though. The Steelers, I think, can honestly start fast again. Sure. They're under, they, they can be 7 and 0, 6 and 0, 7 and 2 and then I still believe now maybe you give it to Najee all, all year long but I still believe that Ben's elbow is going to falter as the year goes on and it gets cold. Yeah. My prediction is that Najee Harris wins rookie of the year rookie of the month in September. Yes. That he's a beast. And and is awesome for them. And but I'm with you that the the arm yeah. for Ben is real. And you brought that up last year before it even happened. Uh, we will get where the Bengals came in on this list. And and I let me pose this to you. Give you something to think about here in the break, my friend. Are the Bengals to me? Well, no, I won't even phrase it that way. Are the Bengals more dangerous than the Steelers? Mm. We will get to that coming up next. So the Browns and the Ravens. We'll get to that coming up next. Ben Baby at the bottom of the hour. Bishop and Laurinaitis is right here on the fan. Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State Athletics. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Two men complaining about first world problems. You're not getting the point, kid. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. 
So we're doing the power rankings. The Browns came in at 20. I'm sorry, the Bengals came in at number 29 on this list. Um, I don't know how anybody, I mean, Houston would be worst by 100 miles. I mean, they look like an expansion team um, is what they're doing there. But for Cincinnati, and I asked you this, are they more dangerous than Pittsburgh if you're the Browns? A lot of if, if Burrow's healthy. Yeah, clearly. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why to be afraid. I think some of it is just the perception. You know, like they're going to start the year at 29 on power rankings. Like, guys know that. They know that they're supposed to be in the basement. You can overlook them. They can catch you by surprise. Um, they could be. They, they Look, they were really competitive in a lot of football games last year. They sure were. And I think that's a big difference. But it is... Very interesting to see this, um, him being all the way down at 29, them being down at 29 is just a different, they they could be, because they're, they're on the ascent, I'll put it this way. The Steelers can kind of be hanging out where they are, they're still dangerous, but you don't, their arrow, their trajectory is going down slowly, you know, where the Bengals could skyrocket up. It's There's so many what ifs, but I can see, I can put an argument for it, I can see definitely an argument there's, for it. I'll tell you one thing that I, I do think as you as you go through this and you think about where the Bengals are and, and even Jacksonville, who's way down there. Um, aside from two teams who I would wager a decent amount are going to really struggle, I, I think there's going. I think there's a lot of good teams. Yeah, there aren't that many really bad teams. I think Houston's bad, and I think the Jets are going to be really bad. Um, and that's just because I'm not. I don't love Zach Wilson. Um, they're going to throw him out there. And hope for the best. And I, I think it's a tough spot for him. Um, and I think Houston's obviously – I mean, Houston's like an expansion team. Yeah. You go look at their roster. I mean, they're like an expansion team. They're, they're clearly not in a in a, any sort of position to try to win football games. So those two teams are going to be really bad. And they'll be in the – I don't know, Sam Darnold or Spencer Rattler or Keevan, the Slovis pick one. They're going to be in that world. Um, but everybody else, it should be pretty competitive and has things that you can talk yourselves into being scary. I think the Bengals offensively are going to be a problem if Burrow's healthy. Yeah. They're going to be a real problem. Yeah. Because they have, they're, they're, the three receivers that they're going to be able to throw out there consistently down in and down out when they're, when they're in that personnel are legit dudes. When you talk about Boyd, Higgins, and now Chase, you have Joe Mixon behind Burrow and he never got off the ground last year. Remember? Yep. He could not get off the ground last year. Well, he will. Yep. He will this year. And if he does, and if Burrow is healthy, now I got to be careful here because I have to remember, and it's worth remembering, that Pittsburgh was 11 and 0, right? Yep. And, and they are still the Steelers and they will get healthy in their front seven. That will get healthy. And obviously, Bud Dupree's not back, but what, what the issue that I see with Pittsburgh is they let veteran corner they let younger corners go to keep veterans so i don't know if they're going to be able to keep up on the outside with these teams and 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 i don't know what their answer is on the offensive line they still have a lot of weapons at receiver um obviously ben is is different but then i think harris is going to be a big big boost for them right away i think he's be a big boost for them right away and what they're going to be able to do so i think pittsburgh is going to still be very very dangerous and i agree with your point they'll get off to a good start Bengals can be scary but still not ready to be good and yeah. that's that's kind of the difference. It's gonna be awesome seeing Jamar Chase in number one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm yeah. just looking at the numbers. He'll look good in that. Yeah, he'll look good in that. He'll look good in that. They had no problem yeah. dishing out a single digit 
<laughs> you saw what Jerry did. You saw what Jerry did in Dallas. Did you hear this? Uh-uh. So Micah Parsons is wearing 11, right? So yeah. So he said, fine. They're, so they have a receiver. I think his name was Cedric Wilson who was wearing 11. He's moving into number one. Uh, Jalen Smith says, well, I'd like to wear nine. And Jerry says, eh, you know, I don't know. Uh, Tony wore that. <laughs> He's my guy. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to. Oh. And then – and then Jerry, so they, he goes, look, 12 sacred here, eight sacred here, 22 sacred here. We're very, we're very protective of those numbers, but I am aware that guys, you know, that this is something that matters a lot to these guys. And you were saying yesterday that you didn't think coaches will be involved in this. And, and I don't think they have any interest in being involved in this, but I think they're going to have to be. Yeah. Um, but the Jerry would, is loving to be involved in this. Well, Jerry like, loves he to be loves involved this. in everything, you know, he sure. wants to be. When oh, you, yeah. When you honestly, I, I don't, this is probably, when I watch draft coverage and I see Jerry in there with his son, and is that his daughter or is that his? I mean, I don't even know who's all in the room. You know, I don't even know. But it looks like the whole family. It just looks like a family reunion that just got done from like a long day at a country club, and they're just hanging out and like, heck, we'll just make a pick. I don't know. You feel like it? Sure. That's what we're so. Like, it just looks so. I don't want to say unprofessional because obviously they are a very efficiently run organization and they take care of their players and it's great. But just sure. like the fact that he's been the GM there and hasn't, you know, basically allowed anyone else to fill that role to really kind of take over besides a family member. It's just, it makes you wonder, remarkable. Is the and best I don't know person or- qualified for the job there at the, at the NFL's most valued franchise? It's amazing. It is. Cause you, you know, I mean, look at what a very, um, qualified GM can do for your just look go up seventy one north to Cleveland, and to think yeah. that that has just been like why well, on the team? So I'm gonna do what I want. I'm gonna keep it in the family, kind of thing. Yeah. It's just it's just remarkable. It is, yeah. And you, I guess when you put it into that, when you put it in that context, they've actually been wildly successful. Yeah, just a bunch of dudes. Built yeah, some really talented rosters that were dangerous teams. Like I, to me, they're not a contender, but they're it's a full day playing them. Like he's drafted some dudes over the years. You think about the Romo era and now the Stack Prescott era. Like they've they've been had dangerous, dangerous piece, pieces. I'm not yeah. sure they've ever been a legit like threat since they're. And it's unfair to him because they were a legit dynasty when he took. You know yes. what I mean? So when he took over, they they became this legit dynasty. And With Jimmy Johnson's yes, vision. He, and ever and he since had to give then, him credit for that. That's sure. the standard. That feels like the standard for Cowboys. Get them back, and it's been this. What Cowboys fans assumingly would say a woefully underproductive because that is the standard. When you have a standard that high, it's like Pittsburgh. Like your standards are Super Bowls. And well, even even going back to the Landry era, like they played, they were always there. Yes, always there. Yeah. Even if they didn't win Super Bowls, they played in a bunch of them, yeah. and they were always there. And he hasn't been back in a long time. Yeah, and so there's tremendous pressure. Yeah, I'm sure to get back right. to that level, and they're not there. You know, they're dangerous, but but they're not there. Um, Cincinnati's a family-run team as well. They had themselves a heck of a draft. We'll get Ben Baby's perspective on that and what this summer could look like for the Bengals coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. One is upside down on an inversion table. The other one's wearing a tank top without pants. You ready for your workout? Radio doesn't get any better than this. You nasty. Rothman and Ice. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan. Sports talk distilled to its purest form. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. All right, for some perspective on the Cincinnati Bengals, there's only one man to go to. He's our good buddy Ben Baby from ESPN, and he covers 
uh, the Bengals there, and he joins on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Ben, great friend of the program. Thanks for your time, bud. Let's let's look back on on the draft, of course, and, and that primarily, and then we'll get into what's ahead in the offseason and, and all of that. Uh, but when this draft is, is now in the books and you look back on it, um, Chase, to me, felt like clearly that was the way that they were going to go, and you can argue the merits of that. But how much of this depends on Jackson Carmen and him being a hit in the second round because of who was who was not picked there when they had the opportunities? You know, and first off, it's always good to be on with you all. I, I really don't think any of it hinges on Carmen, to be honest, because if you look at it, they traded down to go get him. I mean, they, they went ahead and, and they identified him as a guy they wanted in the second round. But when you go and look at the, their draft strategy there, you know, it was important to get Carmen, but it was also more important, arguably, to get those extra picks uh, by trading down, which is something, you know, arguably they, they probably should have done last year if they could have afforded that, uh, if they had that chance. Uh, I understand they got T. Higgins at the top of the second. Obviously, he's worked out very well. But I think this was really all about Jamar Chase. They said he's good enough, and we like what he brings in that chemistry with Joe Burrow uh, more than whatever offensive lineman we're going to get. And we'd rather go get Chase in the first round and see what we can end up with in the second round. So, you know, I think they like Carmen. He's obviously going to come in. And I would imagine compete for the starting right guard, right guard uh, position, if not win that outright pretty quickly. But really, this draft was all about uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and kind of that offense and how explosive that can be in 21. Yeah, Ben, you know the pulse of the Bengals fan base and Cincinnati. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Jamar Chase. I think Bo and I were, were kind of on the same wavelength before the draft that – um, my whole theory was through my eight years playing, we never game plan for for a tackle or a guard. You know, there were guys that were good, but we never. But when you have a dude at wideout, it stresses you out as a defense and really kind of caters uh, everything around those players. So I thought, go with the wideout. Uh, I'm wondering how's the fan base as a whole. Not that that is like the most important thing, but how have they reacted to the the drafting of Chase versus Panay Sewell? Because a lot of analysts have had a lot of uh, opinion about it. I'm wondering what the fan base thinks. Yeah, you know, I think the fan base was, uh, it, it was, it was kind of known for so long, uh, that, you know, the fan base was kind of mentally ready for this. And they, they said, whatever is good for Burrow. And if the franchise thinks this is good for Burrow, then so be it. And if that's Joe's guy, uh, they want to keep Burrow happy. Um, and, and so whatever's good for Joe is good for the fan base, is good for the team, um, that whole thing. So, you know, I think there were some people who were very adamant that you go and take Panay Sewell. Uh, but locally, I think it really is all about still, as much as there was this uh, Sewell and Chase debate, but really at the end of the day, it's just all about Joe Burrow. That at the end of the day, that's who you know they have you know pegged their hopes on, and the entire franchise is looking in the city is hoping that Joe Burrow is the guy that can turn this around. So really, you know, when you look at the context of the debate uh, about who to take at number five, it really is about what is best for Joe. And so whatever Joe wants, whatever Joe feels like is best, and Joe is audibly, you know, he's he's been very vocal. Um, you know, in, in interview saying, you know, I would, you know, if I get the chance to play with Jamar, that would be great. And I think once he said that, I think fans said, you know what, if that's what Joe wants, let's go and get him what he needs. So we'll see. I think this is going to be a big year for him. I think a lot of the, a lot of the issues that we saw at times with the offense uh, could hinge on his development. And so we'll see, you know, how he comes back from this knee injury and kind of where his arm strength is at and kind of how he sees the field in year two. 
and, and I don't think that this is necessarily going to be the case in Cincinnati, but but as you're saying that, you're and so much is on Burrow in his opinion, I am reminded of Baker Mayfield's second year where they allowed for a coach, basically. He had a, a lot of say in the hiring of Freddie Kitchens, and, and they felt that that, and the, even the quarterback room, and it, maybe it was too much power was given uh, to Baker that second season in Cleveland. Um, is there any pushback to, or do we want to give Joe this How much power are they giving them, Is or is that just public perception? Is there any concern that they're giving him too much? Yeah, I think that's basically public perception. Because as much as Joe wanted to play with Jamar, I don't think that he was like, you know, Zach Taylor said this. He wasn't sitting here demanding that, hey, I really, really, really want you guys to go do this. what you guys should do. You know, I think Joe was on board with whatever they wanted. And you got to remember, he's a son of a a coach. And, you know, his his dad, you know, Jimmy is very level-headed. He's not a helicopter dad in the slightest. And so, because, you know, he was a defensive coordinator, he understands what it's like to have kind of that overbearing, you know, presence, uh, you know, on, on a team or whatever. And I think Joe has always kind of been that consummate teammate, always been what coaches love. And so I can't see him. I think it would be against his personality to go out and say, hey, I really want you guys to go do this. This is what you should do. Um, you know, and Zach Taylor kind of said that as much. He said, Joe is just not that type of guy. And I, I 100% believe that's the case. So while there was this perception of, of Burroughs basically dictating the draft, I think it was more that Jamar Chase played with Burrow. They, the, the front office liked the idea of getting them back together. And let's not forget that almost every analyst had Chase as the top wide receiver. So if you think that a wide receiver is the best thing to do uh, at the top of the draft to pair with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase makes, you know, makes sense. Ben, give me somebody from round four to seven that you think is going to be an, an instant impact for the Bengals. And, and one kind of guy sticks out to me, and it's because he didn't get much attention last year or carries a lot of mysteries up at Michigan. But Chris Evans, the running back, a couple of years ago, dual threat out of the backfield, can really do well in the receiving aspect of being a running back. I think he would fit in nicely in that rotation. Guy that could surprise some people. Who's your guy? Rounds four to seven in a late pick that you think, you know what, this guy can make an impact. You know, it's a, I think I think Deontay Smith. And honestly, you know, I know a lot of people looked at him the offensive tackle from East Carolina. Uh, you know, I think he could be a fascinating guy moving forward. You know, they like his length. Uh, he looks, you know, pretty impressive over there. And you, when you look at what they kind of like in offensive tackles, you know, Smith seems to make a ton of sense. I know that everyone says uh, that Captain America Chris Evans could be uh, a really sneaky good addition there at the end of day three. But you know, my question with Evans is is the, the lack of production over the last few years. And, you know, I think Jim Harbaugh is a good enough coach uh, that he's going to play the best guys no matter what. Um, and, 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 you know, I think that if, he, if he's not getting that kind of run and you look at it, and I don't even know if he was running back two at Michigan when you look at some of those numbers uh, last year. And, and that kind of is a little bit concerning because at the end of the day, if, you know, what I've said is if Evans is immediately making an impact at Cincinnati, you've got to ask some really hard questions about what Jim Harbaugh is doing up in Ann Arbor. Uh, and so, you know, and, and, and I think there are probably a lot of people already asking that anyway, to be quite honest. <laughs> but uh, that probably should be uh, exasperated if, uh, you know, if, if Evans comes in and does really well. But for me, I think Smith would be really good. Joseph Osai, the defensive end from, from Texas, I think has a really high ceiling. Could be a really fascinating guy. He was an elite recruit coming out of uh, high school in Conroe, Texas. You know, I think that he just you know had to deal with a lot of shenanigans. At Texas, are really, you know, that coaching staff under Tom Herman that ultimately, you know, ended up getting fired and then having to kind of learn the position and really grow into being an edge rusher. I think he's a guy that could be really fascinating and is somebody the Bengals really need to to, to develop and perform well uh, for the future of the franchise. 
Ben, as we shift attention now to the offseason and offseason programs and uh, mini camps and all of that, we, we know that the NFLPA is saying, hey, stay away. Rookies stay away. Um, we know that some teams that's not happening. Sometimes it is. We've had the controversy with the injury in Denver. What what is what are you hearing from the Cincinnati players in terms of what their approach to that will be, and how is the organization handling that? Yeah, you know, honestly, I think for a long time, coaches have kind of been under the impression they're probably not going to get to see players until training camp. I think. I think that's kind of, you know, talking to, you know, last time I talked to somebody on subject, I think they, they said I'd be kind of surprised if we saw some people uh, in the offseason uh, until we got to, you know, at the end of the summer, when, when, which is what happened last year. And I think players saw that, um, you know, there there was, you know, by and large, I don't think it was the end of the world that, that guys didn't get in for OTAs and, and involuntary workouts. And, and to be honest, you know, I think there are, even before COVID, there was a growing sentiment that voluntary workouts, uh, if they're voluntary, then it shouldn't be a big deal. Players show up to those or not. If they're not mandatory, then you know, then so be it. So you know, this is going to be a really fascinating situation to watch. I think that you know, you I, it, it's kind of like I see both sides of the, the the spectrum here. And if you're the team, you're saying, hey, we would rather you work out here instead of working out a little too hard in the off season, maybe picking up a soft to, soft tissue injury that that develops throughout the course of the season because of overtraining, which we saw some of that last year. So. You know, and, and if you're the players, you say, you know, we can kind of take care of ourselves. We already spend a lot of money on our body. We obviously want to do well. It's not like the old days uh, where guys weren't doing anything in the off season. So this is going to be a really fascinating debate as we kind of continue these next few months. Yeah, it is. It's going to be fascinating. Always great talking to you, Ben. Appreciate your time, bud. Hey, thanks, y'all. All right, that's Ben Baby. Covers the Bengals for ESPN. He's the best on that front. We hit a little thing or not a thing up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Sports, conversation, and sometimes pure stupidity. Awesome, funny, random. Your home of the Buckeyes. The fan. Ohio's sports destination. A linebacker and a man of leisure. This doesn't even make sense. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. It's time for a little thing or not a thing. Bodie's here. Hit a boat. Bishop and Laurinaitis. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Geico Insurance. All right, guys, we'll start off with a little college football here. Jimbo Fisher appears very ready for this college football season, as he was asked yesterday, what will it take for Texas A&M to beat Alabama other than Nick Saban eventually retiring? Fisher's response was this, quote, we're going to beat his ASS when he's there. Don't worry. He did later say that he respects everything about Alabama, but <laughs> yeah. that the Aggies are capable of being that good or even better and that they will be, thing or not a thing. Is Texas A&M either the biggest sleeping giant in college football or the biggest underachiever in college football, or maybe they're both? Uh, I think they're both. I think their talent, their facilities, all that, I really think is a sleeping giant. But for whatever reason, I think coaches, I mean, these coaches get into these um, headliners and, you know, with what they say because of Nick. Like they they all know it's true. Like we gotta wait for Saban to retire. But mm-hmm. Nick's not going anywhere. No. You know? He seems so content in what he's doing right now. It's pretty it's pretty fascinating. But anyway, um I'm gonna say it's a huge thing because I expect Bama to just beat the brakes off him. <laughs> yes. That's why he apologized and came back. I didn't really apologize. He came back later. I mean I respect Nick. I respect well, Nick. He was he's an assistant. Yeah. For Saban at LSU, I so I mean, it, he knows firsthand. It's hard though, because like, what do you expect him to say? Ah, uh, yeah, you know, I think it will take Nick retiring. It's going to take Nick retiring for us to get our <laughs> chance. Like, what do you, so I don't. 
I'll tell know. you this. You can if, say it if, differently. I'll put it that way. Think about this. <laughs> Sumlin, Sumlin had Kyler Murray there. Yeah. I mean, he had Johnny Manziel. They won a Heisman. Yeah. I mean, they recruited. They've had people recruit there. Yeah. And, and But they just can't ever – it just seems like they can't get past – they can't get over the hump. And you and with Jimbo, like people at Florida State say, okay, well, you won with Jameis, but the rest of the time they were a very good program but disappointing. Yeah. With E.J. Manuel, Christian Ponder, like they weren't able to – it was Jameis that put them over the top. They had a lot of talent. ESPN Power ranked college football's top 25 future defenses, and they had the Buckeyes coming in at number five. That is two spots lower than they had Ohio State last year, though, when they were at number three. Thing or not a thing? I, I think an appropriate thing. I think we have real questions on the defensive side, mm-hmm. in the back seven. Yeah. I think it's very real. Yeah. I think it's amazing that we have two projected first-round picks in Seven Banks and Zach Harrison. Yeah. Um. Not that they're not talented, they are talented. Just that I don't, I, I don't. I'm. What have you seen out of either that says, "Oh, that's an obvious"? Besides, like what the, what they look like, you know, yeah. like maybe we need that year from Zach Harrison. Maybe that's what they're expecting. We need that year from him to really be a dude. Now, does he need a really highly productive year to get drafted first round? No, because the way he's going to test is just it's going to be ridiculous, right? But I think for his career, you would like to see it for sure. New Ravens right tackle Alejandro. Alejandro Villanueva, a little bit of a mouthful there, there, talked about how he's looking forward to a more run-first offense in Baltimore and seemed to throw some shade at Pittsburgh on his way out, saying, quote, when you have a balanced office, offense or when you run the ball, it's obviously better for the offensive line. I'm assuming it's not as fun for the wide receivers because they're not getting all the catches. They're making the TikToks and they're having fun on Ooh. their social media. Thing or not a thing. Ooh, He is wildly popular in Pittsburgh, uh, wildly respected in that room. He's a he's an army guy, man. Yeah. Like he was at West Point, dude. So um, he's somebody who discipline, discipline, do. And and you've, it did get a little loose there in Pittsburgh. But if anybody has the right to say it, it certainly is him. I, I think was, he's having a little fun. I was going to say it's not a thing until he said the TikTok. And I don't think it's really. I mean, guys won't care. But he's making a point. They got so pass happy. They couldn't run the football there. No. Now, is that players? Is it personnel? Is it scheme? Is it, was he part of the problem on the old line? I mean, who knows, right? Um, but for whatever reason, there was no threat of running the football when he was there. So... Yeah, old linemen love the run block. I mean, newsflash, they love to be told, this is where you're going, boom, go. And it's just, it's an aggressive mind, a mindset. And then that way, when you do run the ball, guess what? Pass blocking's easier because the guys aren't getting in a track stance on set hut. Like, when you play the Steelers last year, you're thinking, I'll play the run after I acknowledge it's not pass. Where a lot of times you go into a game doing it the other way, where you turn your, your run stance into a pass rush. If you know it's pass, that's why those guys get those crazy get offs. So, yeah, but he does love it. Yeah, the other thing real quickly on that is I'm sure that there are some, and I've heard this from people around there, that you know Juju Smith's influence on Chase Claypool was not something they were crazy about. Oh, you can see it. You yeah. can see it happen throughout. The, you can see the evolution throughout the season. Yeah. Orioles pitcher John Means threw a no-hitter yesterday in Baltimore's 6 to nothing win over the Mariners. Mean retired all 27 batters he faced in the game, but allowed one base runner on a third-strike wild pitch, becoming the first pitcher in MLB history to lose a perfect game in such manner. Thing or not a thing? Well, anything, anytime you have the first pitcher in MLB history to lose a perfect game in such a manner, by definition, it has to be a thing. Yeah. I haven't dialed into baseball yet. Uh, I don't know if I will. 
I see the Indians are in first place. The Reds got some things going on, but I, I'm not into it yet. Maybe it'll be something that'll happen. Usually for me, baseball, I'll jump in a little bit once we get to Memorial Day. For me, yeah. So, um, but that good job out of him. Anytime someone throws a no hitter, it's definitely a thing. Um, I just, yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. I only have so much time in my hands, and baseball just is not at the top of my priority yet. <laughs> Twenty. 20- 24-7 Sports released their final player rankings for the class of 2022 in college basketball. Iowa State commit Malachi Branham finished at number 31 in the rankings, meaning he will finish as the highest rated recruit in the Chris Holtman era. He is, he'd be uh, just one spot ahead of DJ Carton where he was ranked. Thing or not a thing? Big thing for a lot of reasons. Uh, he was Mr. Ohio. He is, by all accounts, a tremendous dude. Off the court. Like, yeah. just a great kid. Awesome kid. Like, program-defining kid. So that's huge. Um, I do think it's a little alarming, to be, if we're being fair, that this is the highest-rated recruit that we've landed because we have a great staff. Now, some of that could be by design. Yeah. Like, you might – that what he's trying to build here is is something where you have guys who are here, he wants to get old, stay old. That's part of the, the thing. And, and you were a, you know, a two-seed in the NCAA tournament last year. So it is working out. But you need to be able to hit on – these guys have to hit – Branham needs to be a three-year, two-year guy, go pro, yeah, Big Ten Player of the Year type guy over the next. That's a lot of pressure, but that's what needs to happen, probably. Yeah, because you, you got to start. There's a certain identification you have on who you're recruiting, as you said, and then you have to have the the production. He has to stay here. Just have him stay here, right? Like, yeah. stay. Well, you saw Diallo in the transfer portal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, college basketball. It's just chaos. It is. It's absolute chaos right now. The portal is crazy. I was just glad that the rumors about EJ Liddell were false. You know, I had to take his mom and dad come out. Nope, nope, he's not going to Illinois. Okay, good. Good. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. That was going on? His mom came out and said it's not true. Yeah, that's it's the Wild West. College basketball is the absolute Wild West. And until one and one if we have one more year of the of one and done and then it's gone and then the guys will go straight to the pros and then you're going to see a major adjustment I think yeah. for a lot of these programs yeah. um, alright re- a lot to get to here the final hour of the program including our buddy Greg Wyshynski who will join us on what happened last night in New York John Davidson's future the future here with the Blue Jackets as well you have that to look forward to which is nice final hour up next Bishop and Lauren Knight is right here on The Fan if the fan were a baseball team, Morning Juice would be our leadoff hitter. A leadoff hitter who's slow and hits lots of homers. Weekdays starting at 6. The Fan. At Orc. A show that knows its limitations. He'll learn to control that. You're listening to Bishop and Laurenitis. Greg Wyshynski in about 18 minutes from now on John Davidson on uh, the melee last night with the Rangers. And the Capitals, you have that to look forward to, which is nice. Um, so we will get into that coming up. I, you remember yesterday on the program, of course, we discussed um, how the expansion of the college football playoff is coming, and it's going to come quick. could come as early as 2022. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose they could shoehorn it in this year if they wanted to. It wouldn't be that hard to do if they just all got on the same page of the, from the conference commissioner's standpoint and they get the money sorted out. That's really what it's going to come down to more than anything else. Um, I saw this from Andy Staples in The Athletic. They pulled their readers. Um, and, and one thing that you can say about those who subscribe to The Athletic is that is a dialed-in constituency. Yes. Right? Yep. They're paying for a different type of access, opinion. Yeah. Uh, and I would say in many instances that would be described as a, as a diehard sports fan demographic. That's my perception of the site and, and the people they hire and the way they go about their business. So they, they put their readers... 3,000 responses to a series of questions about if you'd want to playoff or not. 
So they identify, you know, where they, where where their fandom is, where they're located, um, where they're, you know, how they how they get their information, uh, those type of things. But the big one is, uh, what do you think the college football playoffs should do? Expand, stay at four, bring back the BCS, bring back the pre-BCS format. Have you seen this yet? I have not. What do you think the percentage? Which of those four options do you think would win? Okay, so expand. And what percentage? Again. Expand, expand, stay at four, okay. bring back the BCS, bring back the pre-BCS format. Ooh, my gut would say expand, but I'm guessing it's not. So I'm going to try to guess the correct one. My gut would don't say overthink it. Okay. So expand. <laughs> first instinct of. is correct. Yes. Yeah. It's first instinct is correct, buddy, and it is by a wide margin. It's eighty three percent of the vote. Eighty three percent of the vote. So when you hear people say, uh, you know, we like the bowl, understand that fans really don't care about the bowls. No. With the exception of maybe the Rose Bowl. The fans care about that. Administrators like the bowls because the bowls treat administrators really good. Yeah. Really good. It's a vacation. Yeah. The, is what it is. Yes. It's a vacation in a, in, a, in a city that's great. It's a expense-free vacation. Um, you are treated like royalty when you are uh, in an administrative position at a place like Ohio State and you go play in the Rose Bowl or you go play in the Sugar Bowl or you go play. I remember Gordon Gee in New Orleans. Um, what's the blue and the, the iconic restaurant that I, I don't know why I'm blanking on it. Commander's Palace. Okay. So he had Commander's Palace one night, and then the next night, it, like every night was the – and New Orleans has great restaurants. Every night was one of those. Mm-hmm. And he's not paying anything. No. For that. No. Right? So they treat him like – so they love yeah. the bowl system. Of course. And, and, and the and the give back on that. And I think the players like it too. You go play in a bowl, like your swag bag at the Fiesta Bowl was pretty good. It's great. You're staying at the Princess. Yeah. You got uh, – what do you need? Uh, you, you want some Beats by Dre? Remember those were a big deal yep. back in the day? Like yep. That's what would be in those Heck, swag hold bags. On. Back so, in my day, it was like, do you want a PSP? Do you want a PlayStation, You know, a little personal deal right there? And that's what we got. The is one that year. what it was? Yeah. We, yeah. we definitely got a, uh, we definitely got a um, headset, um, headphones one year. I'm trying to think of what else we got. The, they, they spoil you. I mean... And the Fiesta Bowl does it. Yes. And so then it so was. So well. Um, which even now, you know, it, the, the PlayStation definitely helps. We got the PSP before PlayStation was like the main sponsor. Now it's like the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. We were still Tostitos. Uh-huh. So we just had a bunch of chips and salsa and uh, queso, which I think we had way too much before the 06 title game. You know what I mean? We were a little heavy. <laughs> Certainly um, some people. <laughs> and. Uh, but it'd be great because you'd be like, hey, you know what? Um, we have free shuttles until curfew, you know? So, all right, let's go to, where do you want to go? Old Scottsdale. Let's go down there. Let's go see what's going oh, on yeah. down at Old Scottsdale. Not it's a great bad. experience. Not too bad. It's yeah. an awesome experience. But the fans don't care. No. The fans want more games is yep. what the fans want. Yep. And that's what we want. And you know you're going to get you're going to get marquee matchups. So then the next question is, if the college football playoff expands, what number would you prefer? Eight is the overwhelming number. Um, I think that makes sense, too, because... With anything, we're like, let's not get too crazy here. Yeah. Let's not get to 16. Let's and not do I think 16 are, and regret it. Let's just go to 8 and let's take a break. Let's see what it looks like. And I think people are apprehensive to do 6 or 12 for the standpoint of, I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with the idea of the advantage of having a bye week. Oh, gosh, yeah. 
Absolutely. I think that's a disproportionate. I am. I, I think it's a disproportionate that, advantage. Yes, and that is going to, and that would be the next big debate. Well, the SEC always gets the buys. That's why they're winning all these titles. I can see it now. Alabama always gets the buy. They have it easier. I mean, come on. Like we know that. How many times is Bama going to be the number one seed when they expand? A ton. And so, if you allow buys, yeah, that that, that would be the case. They'd always have a buy. And then you have, well, the same four teams just get the advantage anyway, so it's just like the old system. They get the four four best, get the You can already see that. So, yes, I agree. I want everyone to play in the same amount of games. I don't like buys in college important. football. I don't like buys in college football. Yeah, I think it's important because I think it, the advantage of being a one seed, a two seed, in, in an idea where you're Ohio State, you play a col- you play the Big Ten season, you play the Michigan game, you play the Big Ten championship game. Now, acknowledging that that's not the same as what Bama's last three weeks would be like, but nevertheless, that that's a bit of a meat grinder. Well, hold on. Bama's and, last three weeks would be FCS school, Auburn. SEC well, that's true. Title. They have FCS. Yeah. FCS, Auburn, Georgia. Yeah. So I still think that's more difficult uh, than Maryland, Granted. Granted. Michigan, and Northwestern. Yep. Um, so you get to that point where you play that game, though, and now and now you have to go play. You're a three seed, and you got to play Georgia mm. or Oklahoma yeah. or USC, and the two and the one get a chill. Yeah, I think that's a disproportionate advantage when you have a system. To me, everybody has to play the same amount of games. They would have to. I I, I don't want to hear. I definitely hope they don't do that with a buy. I think the buys yeah. are way too. And you lived it. I mean, can you imagine that? Like having to pl- come off of you having to play the week after a Big Ten champ. I know you didn't play in a Big Ten, you didn't have Big Ten championship games those days, but having to play that and then play the next week and then the team you would play in two weeks doesn't have to do that. No, no, yeah, I I think that this is if you're gonna expand it, it has to go to eight. Let's do eight. You'll get a bunch of excitement. You'll get a bunch of matchups that fans will absolutely love. Um, Every now and again, you'll get some upsets. That was shocking. I'm not sure it really means upset. You're not gonna get a Cinderella story, you know, where they go and win it no. all. But you'll get a team that you thought, hopefully not anymore, but if you wanted to pick on somebody, it'd be like Notre Dame to lose a 3-6, you know. And be, <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully not anymore, though, with, with M3 there. But you, you get the point. Like, it's, I think I'm against the bye weeks as well. I am. I just don't, I don't agree with that in the college game. Yeah, I would tend to agree. They two more that I think are interesting, and I think it goes against what will be done. But it speak the will of the fan is different than the will of the administrator. But it's and not about money. Both of the, correct. <laughs> so here's here's one. If the playoff expands, how should schools handle the total number of games played? You have three choices. Regular season should stay at twelve. Cut the regular season to eleven. Keep the regular season at twelve games and offer players who make the playoff additional compensation through an appearance fee. So the one that won on this was cut the regular season games to eleven to get rid of the worst non-conference games. Fifty percent. The others were twenty-six and twenty-three on the split. We don't. But here's the deal: administrators aren't giving up that worst non-conference game. You know why? Because there's still a hundred thousand people in the shoe. Yeah, there's still the gate. That they want. And the gate is needed. Yep. Yep. The gate's required. If they can find a way to have this happen, the fine line that administrators are going to wrestle with is how do we keep the same amount of gate, increase it for the teams, you know, going to the playoff, more games without messing up the amateur status. How do we do that? Because if they had no fear of messing up the whole amateur idea and model 
they'd expand it as many as possible. They'd be playing an NFL season. Go to 16. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. They'd be yeah. playing an NFL season. More gate, more... They've been trying to be on that tightrope for a long yeah. time. And they pushed it to the playoff, and now they feel comfortable. Well, what's one more week? It's one more game for only a few teams, which is a yeah. which is true. Well, Not everybody. Last one. Where would you like to see playoff games played? Four choices. Oh, In bowls. I think it would be obvious at the home, the top seed. You're correct. You don't even need it. I don't even need on it. On campus, in the stadium of the higher-seeded teams until the semifinals, which are then in the Bulls. On campus, in the stadium of the higher-seeded team until a neutral site final. On campus, in the stadium of the higher-seeded team all the way through. So, on campus wins, and it's the one where, until the semifinals, which are then in the Bulls. Yeah. Everybody wants to see, everybody wants to see one versus eight, and they want to see Oklahoma go play in Tuscaloosa. Oh, or they gosh, want to yeah. see Georgia come play in Columbus. Yeah, in a game in December. Yes, that is what that is what we that is what is wanted. How about the University of Florida thing? in the shoe in December? Yeah, December things 10th. look a little different. Let's go. Neutral, our neutral site happens to be in Florida at the Citrus Bowl. Oh, that's very neutral. Our neutral site is yeah. Atlanta, where it's climate controlled. Yeah, we're very lucky as a as a as a program that. We have such tremendous following everywhere that we can match. The one of the most amazing things I've ever seen is when we in in fourteen when and I guess it was fifteen when the game was played when they played the game down at the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. Yep, and we went toe to toe with them from a, in their backyard from a fan perspective. Yep. Now you couldn't do that against LSU. No. And we travel, but you couldn't do that against LSU. But you could do that against the idea that we did that against Bama speaks to the incredible power. You know that that Ohio State has. Yeah. the The moral of this story, though, guys, is this: what you want as fans from college football likely will not be what is delivered from administrators. No, because they like and the bowls, I think, and they want to be treated. They well love the bowls. the bowls. Yeah, and, and no one big else money cares about the bowls. Nobody else cares. Nobody cares where these games. Do are guys and honestly? It's become, do fans even know what the bowl semifinals are named? Or do they say college no. football semis? Like honestly, well, remember the like, game we, we know played that, against oh, it's in New Orleans, so it must be the Sugar Bowl. But if you didn't know it was named the Sugar Bowl and they just said it was in New Orleans, you'd be like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, what, what's the Sugar Bowl even? Okay, so there's a trophy. I'll put it this way: like once you walk through the Woody, you say, oh, that trophy's cool. Where's that? Oh, that trophy's cool. But where are the national titles? Oh, yeah. there it is. There's the gold one. There she I'll is. There's a step the further. Ball. I think the only one that's recognizable is the Rose Bowl, and since the Fiesta Bowl went from uh, from Tempe to Glendale, yes. the rest of them are just interchangeable. They you are. can't even tell they them are. apart unless you get a wide angle at the, at the Rose Superdome. Bowl should be the natty every year. That's the only one that to me is instantly identifiable. Every picture of um, Rose Bowl is just pure gold. It's perfect. Yeah, the color is always perfect there. Um, it was, was it a perfect night for the NHL last night? Some would argue that it was. Uh, Greg Wyshynski had a lot to say on it. I look forward to talking to him about what happened with the Caps and the Rangers and also John Davidson's future. That's coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. The only radio station still operating with an active booze cart. I'm drunk right now. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The Fan. Ohio sports destination. Bo is well-groomed. James brings the boom. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. All right, let's get right after that Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline for a visit with our great friend Greg Wyshynski, of course, senior NHL writer for ESPN. Quite the night 
quite the night last night at, at Madison Square Garden, Greg. But the headline, really, from a big-picture standpoint, and certainly for us here locally, happens beforehand with John Davidson being shown the door uh, by James Dolan. What a shocking turn of events. The, the last 24 hours, put it into perspective for us. Yeah, quite the night, quite the week, man. Jeez, it's been a, it's been a heck of a ride involving the Rangers. Uh, well, I actually just got done uh, monitoring uh, Chris Drury's introductory press conference as the new president and general manager of the New York Rangers. As people know, Jeff Gordon, the GM, and John Davidson, the president, were uh, shockingly dismissed yesterday. Um, so a couple things on this. First of all, I asked Glenn Sather, who's a senior advisor to the Rangers and, and basically James Dolan's right-hand man when it comes to hockey operations with that franchise, whether or not the firings of Davidson and Gordon were related in any way to the letter that the Rangers released at Dolan's behest uh, that criticized the National Hockey League players, uh, I'm sorry, the National Hockey League uh, 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 Player Safety Department and its head George Peros this week after Tom Wilson was fined but not suspended. And Sather said in, in quite stark terms that it did not. So that's what the Rangers are saying on the record. I asked some people around the organization, and it it seems like it's just James Dolan being James Dolan, man. Like he uh, yeah. he looked at this team, he feels like it should be getting better results. Um, the rebuild's been going on quite successfully for a couple seasons now, and all of a sudden uh, he decides to make this change and elevate Chris Drury to that position. The part of this that you're interested in is the part that I don't understand because John Davidson just got there less than three years ago. I don't quite get how a you know what, what seems to be a change at general manager to expedite the rebuild should affect the team president so that puzzle piece doesn't quite fit for me yet yeah greg it, it definitely shocked us but uh, this week when i was thinking about the nhl and the 5k fine to wilson i was like this is embarrassing um you know they want to talk about player safety and all that and then you just basically find him nothing and then i started thinking after last night uh, did the NHL win in all this? Because it seems to me that a lot of people who wouldn't have been watching Caps Rangers, and maybe it's not for all the right reasons, right? I, I'm, I love hockey, and I played hockey in high school. I love it. it it's, a, it's, it's my second favorite sport for sure. It, so I love it. But did hockey win? They got a lot of eyeballs from people who wouldn't have been watching this game because of what they're anticipating in the first period. So how do you view the whole week as you look back? It's a complicated relationship the NHL has to violence, yep. right? Like, I mean... Um, there's a winking acknowledgement that it's an inherently violent game. It's, there's a winking acknowledgement that there's going to be illegal things that happen. And there's also the acknowledgement that those illegal things are going to bring attention to games that people might not otherwise watch, like, for example, Capitals-Rangers on a Wednesday night with the Rangers eliminated. So that's completely true. I don't know if it's calculated uh, in, in the eyes of some people where they didn't suspend Wilson just to you know grab extra eyeballs for Wednesday night because, I mean, frankly, what happened last night isn't good for hockey. I mean, you know, I've seen these types of situations many, many times before. You know, somebody injures a player, they don't get the punishment the team thinks they deserve. The next game, you know, there's maybe a fight off the faceoff like we saw last night. Then the, the, the public enemy, number one, he gets to, you know, get pummeled by somebody. And then you kind of call it a night. Then the steam gets let, let out a little bit and, and, you know, things kind of normalize. What we saw last night is all that, and then, like, two extra fights, and then somebody cross-checking a Capitals guy in the face. You all this other stuff happen, and it kind of led over from, you know, being a comeuppance for Tom Wilson and a comeuppance for the Capitals into almost like a coda to that statement the Rangers put out. I felt like they were doing things last night to kind of stick it to the NHL and say, 
you know, look what you made us do. Uh, we're we're going to make this unwatchable for a good half an hour before the game settles down because you didn't take care of business with Tom Wilson. Yeah, that's what it, what it felt like, certainly watching it, Greg. All right, let's go back to John Davidson because certainly when, when he was hired here, that legitimized, that stabilized, and he ushered in really the most successful era the franchise has had. Um, they are heading into a very tricky summer. And obviously this is fresh. And my guess is ESPN, your employer will call John and say, hey, you're great at TV. You want to come do some of this now that we got this package back? Um, in terms of, of, of a reunion here, though, where and I understand I'm trying to get you to get into his head, which is a tough spot. Um, when you hear that, though, what comes to mind? I don't know. Um, I think there's obviously going to be opportunities for both him and Gordon. I mean, you know, Gordon certainly lucked into a lot of things with the Rangers. There's no question about that. He lucked into two lottery wins. He had a situation where Artemi Panarin and Jacob Truba and Adam Fox all wanted to play for the Rangers. So these are things that aren't necessarily repeatable in another place. As far as JD goes, you know, I've talked to him a bunch of times. I got endless respect for the dude. I feel like his best thing is is, is the role that he served in Columbus and, and also served in St. Louis, where he's not only helping out on the on the hockey operations side, but he's also chiefly in charge of trying to connect the team with its community and and really working behind the scenes on on making that whole the total the sum total of of, of a team, whether it's the public relations aspect or the on the ice aspect work. And, you know, maybe that's a need that Columbus still has. Um, maybe it's a need that someplace else has. Um, but I don't think he's going to be hurting for suitors. I think he's one of the most well-respected guys in the league. And, again, that kind of brings you back to the main point, which is why is he unemployed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Greg, as, as we talk about the Jackets, I'm, I'm really wondering. Um, this it feels a lot like a rebuild. We're actually bummed that they won the game. <laughs> last night because you're kind of feeling we need to lose as play well play hard do all those things right represent the the jersey well the sweater well but just lose a close one not no t so you know you don't get the points but saying all that I, and we're getting to the point with the, our star seth jones do you get the sense that they have to do whatever it takes to keep him here like you cannot move on you cannot move forward without having seth jones uh, taken care of and if you have to overpay you got to overpay yeah i mean listen i, I think there's a lot of players that had not great seasons and and it's curious to figure out why you know and, and i've talked to a lot of general managers about that and they're like you know you can't automatically judge a player based on what happens this year because there's so much happening not only within the context of the league with the 56 game schedule and the all the protocols and things like that but also like you got to give a, a break to some young players based on what's happening in life for the last year it's all been stressful for all of us so the fact that he's had kind of a down year, I'm not going to judge him on that. And, and you're right. I think he's essentially uh, important for this team moving forward. I think you could say the same thing about Wierenski and, and, and some of the other key younger players or players that are entering their prime. I would be interested to see for Columbus less of a rebuild than a rebrand. You know, I, we, we have lived with John Tortorella for so long, and we've lived with a certain style of hockey under John Tortorella for so long. I'd like to see what would happen if you bought in somebody, not the polar opposite necessarily, you know, you know, temperament-wise, although that, that would be pretty easy to find, I think, but maybe the polar opposite in the style in which they play. Um, sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need to be able to come in with a fresh perspective and get these guys excited about hockey again in a way that maybe they weren't playing a certain system um, and, and, and obviously playing for a certain coach. So I'm not sure it's a teardown. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what could happen if this team was in different hands. Greg, I know you're slammed. Thanks for your time. Appreciate you shoehorning us in today, buddy. 
<laughs> hey, it's good to be busy. And hey, you know, it's good to be on Sports Center too. So more fights. That's <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Craig Machinsky joining us on the Bright Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline, senior NHL writer for ESPN. He's been a good dude for a long time. He's been on with us for a long time. He said something there at the end though, I think is pretty interesting. We'll get into that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on the fan. Two men, no pants. Oh my god. <laughs> Common Man and T-Bone. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 6. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. The classiest show on this station, which isn't saying much. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And the Fan of the Blue Jackets giving you a chance to win a game-worn jersey. Text JACKETS to 26791. That's JACKETS to 26791 to enter to win. A jersey worn on the fifth line appreciation night on Saturday against Detroit. Tune into the broadcast here on the Fan to see if you're the winner. Uh, text jacket again to two six seven nine one to enter. Message and data rates may apply on that one. Greg with some good stuff there. Uh, had a good line there uh, at the end that I thought was interesting. That rather than a uh, a rebuild or even a reload, a rebrand. Mm. That's that is a tricky thing. This has been something, if you think about Out of Our Blue We Rise, if you think about Brick by Brick, if you think about everything that the Yarmo, uh, the J.D. Yarmo torts run has been, if you think about the team that, that J.D. built in St. Louis, that was a heavy team. Yeah, yeah it was. That was the team he built here. He built yep. the same team here. Yep. Um, and, and so if you're going to go off of that and you're going to go in a different way and play a different brand of hockey – then you have to have elite skill to be able to do that and to have some success. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to, so I, I mean, immediately I think of line A and I think of Domi and I think, well, you, you have some of that. There's obviously a million things that need to happen in center ice and all of that. And typically this does happen when it comes, this happens all the time. You've talked about it with your Rams. Like, well, this guy's a player's coach. So now we go with a guy who's a hard ass and then we go back to player's coach and away yeah. we go. That's this happens yeah. constantly in pro and sports. One guy has success and now everyone wants that guy, right? I mean, you, yes, Sean McVay sneezes, shakes your hand. Now you got some of the special sauce. Let's go head coach, <laughs> right? You get a head Same coach, you become Peter LaFleur and then you become, you know, yeah. Matt LaFleur and then his brother, you know, Jerry LaFleur, I don't even know. He's coaching somewhere, right? He's OC sure. somewhere. Um, Jets. Sure. Yep, exactly. I knew somewhere. So anyway, you get the point. It's, it's, <sighs> yes. Can you do that here with this brand, with this organization? It would show an evolution. I would like that. I mean, I don't know if you can do it. I don't know if it's doable, but I would welcome um, the attempt and I'll, and I'll explain why. I think... NHL franchises over their years, and now, Grant, we're not we're not very old, right? So sure. when you talk about old NHL franchise, they've had different identities, mm-hmm. and some of that is adjusting with the way the game's played. Um, it might be time for us to prove, you know, what we've been around long enough that we can change our identity if we want to, if we need to. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. Can we can we get to a point where we change our identity? Where we get to a, and I don't know, maybe it's not. I, this is the this is one of the hardest things that they're going to have to decide right now is direction of the overall organization. That is that is coach, that's front office, that's all that's all of it, right? 
That's all. You it, worked. So, they worked so hard to get to a point where I still don't understand the out of our bluey rise though. Can you help me on that one? I just. I don't. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either. I think Yarmo sounds great. You could have just done. It, you could just. You could just do the drums and like, hey, we're we're going to battle. Let's go. I mean, that's really yeah. all you need to do. You well, they've done carry the flag. I know that's beautiful. That's great. While, yeah. Yeah. I understand, but those themes out of the blue, we rise. What do you mean? Huh? I don't know. Is it multi-layered sure. meaning? Is that? I think could that be. came about after we swept Tampa and then lost to Boston. Is that when it came out? I believe it was. Is that out of our blue feelings? We're blue I think it because was, our run was I think ended. It was, yeah, I think it was after JD left is when they did that. Um, look, you, there's a lot of different things you can do here. Yeah. But if you think about it's going to be hard because you worked the amount of effort it took to get and the amount of, you know, some of it was player luck, identifying, developing. The the team that beat Tampa Bay was a team that if it would have been allowed to stay together. Now some of that you can't help you can't help a lot of it. We've been over to nauseum. But that was a team. If it would have been continued to build, you would have said, "We have, we are. This is a team that can be a cup contender." Yeah, yeah. If that could have kept together, because you were a team nobody wanted to play, and Tortorella fit with that like a glove. Yep. Right. Yep. So now you don't have those type of players anymore. Lots of those type of players, and not even just the marquee guys, the secondary guys either. You don't have those guys. So, what do you have? Yep. What's the face of it? What's the look of it? I do think that whoever they hire as a coach, assuming Tortorella leaves, I think most people assume that to be the case. And heck, mm-hmm. he may end up with the Rangers again. Yeah. Um, you know, because if they think they want to be contenders and they think they need a hard nosed guy in there, I mean, that might be the way that that ends up. Gosh, wouldn't um, that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Um, <laughs> but guess if, who's back? Right. Back if you're going to do it. Strolling in there. Torch would be walking in there like Vince McMahon down the ring. Come on. You know he would. <laughs> yeah, Come on. Sure, yeah. Sure oh, that'd be great. I know Roth Dog is right outside this studio somewhere just shaking his head at us. But regardless, he would Look, be so swagged out going back. If they, if they, whoever they hire as the coach, I think it has to be a pretty big-time personality. Yeah. To change, because what you're asking to do is, we've been this for this long, and now we're not going to be it anymore. Yep. And this is what it's going to look like. Yep. And so, these are the players we're building around. I assume that Yarmo Kekalainen is planning to build this team around Seth Jones and Patrick Laine. Yeah. And Zach Wierenski. And one of the goalies. I assume mm-hmm. that's what's, what the idea was. So you need to see a lot more from Patrick Laine than what we've got. So you need to find somebody who can... Get into that kid, mm. and 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 can reach him and yeah. get him to get his best because his best is elite. Yeah, we just haven't seen it. Yeah, so it's a tricky, tricky spot. This was this was my favorite. On another note, this was one of my favorite headlines. And Jeff Svoboda, who does stuff with the jackets, great dude. He retweeted this this morning uh, from yesterday. There's a headline in the Guardian, London newspaper. Mm. Liechtenstein prince accused of shooting Romania's largest bear. Gosh, we got to do a whole segment on just like random headlines. So I know I that Marty know. Smith does this with the hillbilly headlines on his show. Yeah, he'll that, do man, that. It's yeah. amazing. Most of them so have I don't, in Florida, but yes. Did you know that Liechtenstein had a prince? I didn't. No. I didn't. I forgot no, that Liechtenstein existed. New. You learn something new every day. I had no idea you that know? Romania would be worried about its largest bear, who's protected, being shot. That that was a that's a big problem. Doing it? Why we gotta shoot? I didn't know bears, bears were in Romania. Why do we gotta shoot bears, lions, 
elephants. You know, why do we well, gotta, the only? I mean, the only thing with bears is when they unless get you're self defense, like unless you're defending yourself. Sure. Yeah. I'm just when they get old and they start to falter, they come out of. Not that this is from personal experience. They come out of their habitat, yeah. searching for food. Mm. So easy targets, yeah, are cows, of course, sheep, yeah. When they're little, those are the easy targets. So they they come out at that point. So that's not that I know anything about that, uh, but that's the that's a tricky thing there. But yes, I don't know. I just think it's amazing that I forgot Liechtenstein even exists. If I'm to be totally honest. Um, I had. I didn't forget it actually existed. I didn't know it existed. Yeah, I think I remember it from like some middle school geography (laughs) quiz, like smallest country or something. I don't know. Three years of Romanian at Ohio State. I can't remember a word. Did you really with A's? Yeah, I told you. You took three years of Romanian. Yeah, because listen, it was between because I took four years of Spanish, and because of that high school. I would have placed at like a way too high of a level for not remembering anything in Spanish. Sure. To go into Ohio State. So I said, well, I'm not going like Italian or French or German. No, let's get, I mean, what, what are, are the two Romania? easiest? And it was oh, like, you asked what are the two yes. easiest? And it was like Swahili or Romanian. Really? Yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to go Romanian. Sure. Eastern European block, Laurenitis. Yeah. And, uh, you know, may come in handy if you Yeah, but Lithuanian is tough. You know, it's, Okay, yeah, let's not go Lithuanian. I was interested Man. in Lithuanian because that's what Laurenitis is. That in Norwegian. It's my Leon, Leon size. My mom, Leon. Julia, wow. Leon. Romanian. So Three years of Romanian. Well, what was it? I was it similar t- to I Spanish? I can't count to 10, brother. I can't even <laughs> count to 10. But I passed. A's. Legitimate, too. Yeah. Legitimate. Yep. I believe you. I believe you. I think it's an incredible language to learn. And, and very specific for your time when you you'll i think at some point in your life you owe it to yourself to go to romania no no i don't no nope. see some castles nope isn't dracula from romania that might be kind of cool i don't know did they, they get part did of like a European part of game tour? of throws in romania i, thought, I feel like they did I feel like they could have maybe austria I, mean, said it, I don't know all those countries sound familiar said it emphatically yeah, there's probably castles <laughs> sure yeah, yeah what a win three things on the thursday up next bishop and lord is right here the fan on air, online, on the app. New methods of consumption. Same great radio taste. Take us with you everywhere. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Simultaneously passing the eye test, the smell test, and the ear test. Huge win. That's a big win. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And the Daily Fan Poll is sponsored by Riker Kia. Today's Fan Poll, 971thefan.com. Would you be interested in John Davidson's returning to the Blue Jackets front office? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Did a, did a nice job. Mm-hmm. Did a very nice job. Also, join the Fan 10 TV and the Ohio Education Association. We honor classroom heroes. In these times, teachers and educators need your support and recognition more than ever. Nominate your classroom hero at 971thefan.com slash heroes today. Time for three things on a Thursday. Hit a boat. One, two, one, two, three things with Bishop and Laurenitis. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. All right, give you a little update on the uh, Mutual of Omaha situation we have here, as I discussed yesterday on the show. Um, these are lessons for the kids out there from Uncle Bo. Frogs not liking bright lights and geese not liking water balloons are undefeated. There you go. They're undefeated. 
If you are looking to defeat either of these pests, water balloons yeah. for the geese, not a fan. Don't like the noise. One near them, they're gone. They don't come back. And you're not harming them, so that's a win. You stay out of trouble with the law. Frogs don't like lights. It's two nights in a row. Michigan J. Frog and his buddies, nothing. Gone. Silent. Silent. Well, awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's I mean, both yeah. right next to your uh, First Friday Miracle you know, recipe yeah. book. You could have Bo Bishop's Guide to Life. Yeah, and, uh, and animals, and those, animal yeah. extraction. Yeah, those two are pest control, if you want to name it that. My first thing, um, this is May 6th, okay? And I was driving out of the neighborhood this morning, mm-hmm. and I have neighbors who have, you know, multiple neighbors who have pools. And I thought to myself, gosh, that must stink to have a year where it looks like as I look out the 10-day Mm-hmm. You're going to have three and a half months to enjoy that pool because mm-hmm. it seems like June, July, August, that's assuming you have sunny days, all those through the mm-hmm. summer. Mm-hmm. But if you have a pool, you're probably thinking, May, yes, I can swim. Mm-hmm. We've had what, one day? Yep. One day, maybe, in the 80s, where you, hopefully you've been cranking it up for two weeks. Enjoy that electric bill. Anyway, <laughs> I just was like, what are we doing, Ohio? What would you rather have, Bo? The great March we had, but then getting hit with this cold stuff as you're expecting warmth? Or just say, give me crap until May, and then let, let me live. I think I would prefer... Right now, I still I still would take the March, because I needed it. Because January and February are a full day. So I will still you know, take it. It was like, say, hey, point. I see the light at the end of the tunnel in March. And then I was like, no, that, that, there's no, no light. Those don't. lights were a train coming right for you, <laughs> and it smashed you. Yeah. My first thing, got a, a little bit of a scary situation, but got some good news this morning. So about a week or so ago, my mom was walking our dog, and he just like kind of like collapsed a little bit onto his back leg. Not like full body, but onto his back leg, and like basically couldn't walk and like wasn't putting any weight on it. We thought he might have even torn his ACL, which I had no clue that dogs could even do that until another dog in our neighborhood. Their, uh, they, their dog did it, and their like family told us or whatever. But got some good news this morning. My mom took him to the vet, texted me, said they think it was just a stinger, so it was all good. They did say he needs to lose 10 pounds <laughs> <laughs> that might be a little bit of a trouble because he is definitely a beggar stinger. for both food and treat. But uh, got some good news on the no ACL situation, just a minor stinger. So good to go there on that front. Get out there and run with him, Boats. Get him in shape. You got to get that going. Number two for me, look, social media is an awful place at times. Uh, I've said before I like the ability for my family to see my kids, and, and that's a big part of it. But here's, here's one example where I say Twitter can be good. So I had forgotten – that just with everything that happens in life, you forget certain things. And I had forgotten the Rangers Capitals was happening last night and when it was. And as I was waiting for the boys, I got I hopped on, waiting to pick up Black Cobra, and I got reminded that it was about to start and I was able to quickly get to it and see it. So good for what it takes a lot of junk and a lot of it deserved, but for one time, good job out of you, Twitter. <laughs> for one time. One time. one time out of millions. Um, yes. My second thing, I got to say cheers to my friend David Backus. He got to end possibly, most likely, not breaking news, but most likely his career. He's with the Anaheim Ducks. He's been kind of hanging out, you know, not playing a whole ton. They played at the St. Louis Blues where he was captain forever on Wednesday That's night, awesome. and the Ducks put him in the lineup. So although it's a weird COVID, all that limited attendance season, he got to at least go out against the team that obviously drafted him, developed him, all that fun stuff, and just have to say cheers to him on what is an unbelievable way to cap off a great career. 
37. Hello. My yeah, man. That's, that's, that was cool. And TJ Oshie with the hat trick. Was yes, cool. absolutely. That was cool. Number two for me. So it's going to sound like I'm going to talk about politics, but it's not. I promise. Just give me a second to kind of preface this. So apparently Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor or senator or something in California. I don't know. I governor. don't care about. Okay, governor. There you go. I don't care about, about any of that, but I saw this earlier. I don't know. I guess it just made me laugh and then also cry a little. I saw this. She said, uh, quote, my friends are leaving California. My hang. I think she was talking about basically like why she wants to run and try to make California a better place. But quote, my friends are leaving California. My hanger talking about like an airport. <laughs> flying hanger. The guy right across, he was packing up his hanger, and I said, where are you going? The guy says, I'm leaving for Arizona. Can't take it anymore in California for whatever reason. You want to talk about some first world problems right there, talking about having to pack up your hanger and leave. That's... Yeah, I don't know. That just I guess I uh, hope one day I am rich enough, which I know probably never happened, but uh, that's, yeah, first world problems right there, having to pack up your airport hanger and uh, leave. How much, how much do all those people owe Kim Kardashian when she dropped that tape? Oh my god. And that gosh. changed everything. Everyone. They've made them all Everyone. billionaires. And now I mean, the all, now the little all that, all sisters are tape. more worth more yep. than it's just, Nobody no. even know who they were until she no. did that. Uh finally, uh so I did your sprint. What do you sprint thirty seconds, off thirty seconds, sprint thirty On off, bro. How how fast you get? You good? Ten point something. Yeah. I, I was that was ridiculous. What do you mean? I mean ridiculous? that just sucked. that's easy. It's only ten minutes. You're on and off and you're done. <sighs> It was just. I didn't say go for thirty. You don't realize. It remind me back like the old Century Club when you were with the beer when you were in a college, <laughs> like how quickly the thirty seconds go when you're <sighs> off. It feels like forever when you're on, and then somehow when, when you're, you're on, off, it's like, like what oh is this? my, really? Still? 40? Am I still doing forty twenty? No, you've been doing thirty thirty the whole time. Yeah, Oof. it's not that bad. My last thing. Look, I'm over all the disappointment. I, I saw this push notification. I saw the images from House of the Dragon. And I'm excited. I'm over how bad they botched it. I just need something. I'm a man stuck in my ways. I go to the restaurant. I'm going to order most likely the same dish. I just want some kind of thrones back. And so seeing the photos got me excited. I know a lot of people feel other, other you know, different about it. S- still super bitter. But I'm looking forward to it. Last one for me, Bo. You were talking about Twitter a second ago and how terrible it could be. Well, how about this? I saw this yesterday. The tech company announced on Wednesday it has released a feature for Twitter that detects mean replies on its service. So when a not very nice tweet is detected, an automatic prompt reads, want to review this before tweeting, the user is presented with three choices, tweet, edit, or delete. I have a better thing. If it can somehow detect mean tweets, but I I don't even know how it's going to really be possible. But nonetheless... Just, like, delete the person's account or something. Like, there's literally no reason for anybody to be a-holes the way that so many people are on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, all the social Who's media. Who's the judge so on say, what's mean? I, I don't know. I guess somehow Twitter's going to detect just mute. it. But, yeah, just, like, just how about it. just delete it's, the it's, account? It's like, we just, just don't just even mute. need any of it. Yeah, you don't need any of it. All right, we're back tomorrow for more fun. Rothman and Ice coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.